1: Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weightloss. That's PlushCare.com slash weightloss. PlushCare.com slash weightloss.
2: Connecting to the big show. In three,
3: two, one
4: complex. Providing young people with the knowledge and the tools they need to stay safe on the road.
2: Go
3: down to your child's school and teachers have tattoos and piercings in the bank.
4: Anywhere you go. Restaurants are not
3: making vast profits. We pay our suppliers, staff and we pay our bills. And there's very little left out of that. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696.
2: Extra WhatsApp 083 396
3: Email opinion at 96fm.ie This
2: is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan Coach 96 FM. I'm follow
3: up
5: on that story uh, from a couple of weeks ago with MTU students. Uh, I was off. Gareth was uh, talking to them about parking and accommodation and stuff, just getting to and from campus, buses and public transport and all that. going to follow up on that for you later on. This morning. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a weird question. Normally we'd hold this over on until a Friday, but we can have some fun with it this morning. Um what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I, there's a Pizza Hut have put snake meat on a pizza in is it Hong Kong? Hong Kong, yeah. Snake meat. Now <laughs> it led to a conversation in the office this morning. What's the weirdest and queerest and strangest things you've ever eaten? I've eaten goat. Uh, I've eaten crocodile. Uh, I have eaten kangaroo. I might draw the line that's snake, seeing as I'm terrified of the damn things, but we'll see. We'll see. That's uh, coming up later on this morning. Snake on a pizza. It is a real thing. Some people will put it on a pizza before they put pineapple on the pizza. I wouldn't be one of those people. I like pineapple on a pizza. Yeah. Snake meat. Pizza Hut. Can you imagine that coming out of. some can I, something going through cork with snake meat on a pizza? I don't know. And Bones the Lurcher It's a sad little story It's now a happy little story Poor old Bones was in a A bag of Bones When he was picked up Or she was picked up By the uh, CSPCA Now is looking for a forever home Lots to get to Lots and lots and lots Oh I have one of those letters as well Uh, Those letters that are going around From Electric Ireland If you've got one They would frighten the life out of you The newspapers are picking up on it The last day or two I got a copy of it last night from a friend of mine who was sent one uh, and with uh, due permission I'm, I'm going to anonymise it obviously not say who this person is but I have a, an opportunity to read it for you they're frightening the letters that are going out from Electric Ireland with regard to to compromised information but first of all couple of crime stories locally uh, yesterday we were on the air well this one was sort of <laughs> I have a warming up is the best way to put it it was this um, a pursuit of a truck and a shot fired by a guy that... Uh, followed by the arrest of a man. Staying in the newsroom. Back to Mairead. What happened, Mairead? Bring it. Bring. Bring us through it. Good morning to you.
6: Good morning, Peter. Yeah. So this all kind of started on Tuesday evening, um, and I suppose so. It involved a stolen truck, as you said. So a man has been arrested, and it's following this incident. It involves a stolen truck which was taken from Bandon. Now the vehicle was reported stolen, so naturally the guards were made aware, and it was actually spotted then in the Toker area um, yesterday. Wednesday morning. So the driver uh, failed to stop when the Gardaí tried to, you know, say, you know, stop here, you know, we we know this truck is stolen. Driver failed to stop and they had to put an operation in place. It's called a managed containment operation. That was put in place to stop the truck. Now the truck obviously, you know, bigger vehicle than, you know, a car or any other kind of vehicle. So, and the incident had ended in the Forge Hill area. So not too far there from Toker. That's where it ended. But as you said there, uh, one of the officers fired a shot during the course of this incident incident uh, but no injuries have been reported now Gsoc as with any time a, a Garda firearm is discharged Gsoc have to be notified and uh, their investigations are underway um as i say a man in his 30s is being detained at a Garda station in the southern region they they weren't forthcoming with where exactly the, the Garda station is but the man is being detained in a Garda station in the southern region now two Garda cars were damaged during the operation uh, but as i say no injuries have been reported so uh, a yeah, man arrested um the truck taken from Vanden Tuesday night spotted in the Toker area yesterday morning uh, wouldn't stop when the Gardaí, um identified it, so they had to put an operation in place. Uh, it all came to a stop then mm. in the in the Forge Hill area.
5: And as you said, JSOC investigating and God help any guard who fires a shot in the course of their work because they'll be up to their eyes in paperwork for the next six months. It's just part of how it works. And that man's still in custody and for some reason, like you say, Maureen, they, they won't tell us where other than it's in... The South. Now, there was a story. There is a story before Cork District Court. It's ongoing. I know it's been put back for a little while. This is a strange case uh, involving incidents at a place called Ford Nursery View in Flasheen Road. What happened there?
6: yeah so this uh came before it opened before a District court on Tuesday before uh judge Marion O'Leary. now the reason the case is before the courts is there's a there's two men facing a number of identical charges so the two men in question Daniel and donna lynch they're aged sixty two and thirty two uh, respectively of their address of Monmore Castle Island in County Kerry now what they've been charged with is assaulting a man and a woman attempting to commit theft of a phone and trespassing to commit theft at four nurse Review in Glasheen Road now both these men. Deny the charges. So, in opening the case on uh, on Tuesday at Cork District Court, uh, the so the what the the court heard was a college student claimed that a father and son who owned the house that he was renting for the summer burst into his bedroom, dragged him from his bed, tried to take his phone off him, and threw him out onto the street in his underwear, claiming that he was trespassing. Now, the case, as I say, it opened on Tuesday, and George Pendle said that his friend Sarah Corby had stayed in this property in Nursery View and Glassene Road for the full academic year so while in college Mm. had stayed there and he, uh, George himself had graduated from college that summer and was working part time in a bar now he told the court that Sarah had been informed by a letting agent acting on behalf of the lynches that she could rent the property right for the summer with several of her friends and he, George moved into Nursery View in the summer of 2022 so summer of last year Mm -hmm. now what the, the court has been hearing is that uh, George Pendle said that he was manhandled by Daniel and Donna Lynch who burst into his bedroom at Nurse Review on the morning of August 11th 2022 and he told the court that two men that he said he'd never seen before burst into his room he said one was about 60 the other about 30ish and he said they tried to forcibly take his phone he said one of them gave him a slap on the face and he said they pulled the duvet off him and between the two of them he claimed that they pulled him by the ankles towards the door of the bedroom and he said he was in his underwear he said all the while He was asking what was going on. He said he'd never seen them before. Then he said he was on the street and uh, he just spoke of how it made him feel. He said he felt awful, that it was horrendous to be pulled out of his bed and uh, he was just wondering what was going on. So he's. He told the court. Uh, George Pendle said that the locks then had been changed by the men, and that they had to contact the letting agent, who was Mark Gosling, in order to get their property from the premises. Now there was a number of housemates spoke um, at the the court hearing on Tuesday. Olivia Lehan, another housemate, said that she'd heard male voices on the morning of the alleged offence. Sarah Corby had told the court, you know, she'd heard shouting on the morning of the alleged offence as well. Now Joe Cudigan who's the solicitor for Daniel and Donna Lynch asked George Pendle you know if he had paid any rent that summer and uh, George Pendle said that he hadn't paid any rent because the letting agent Mark Gosling he said hadn't come back to them uh, with a price now he refuted suggestions by Joe Cudigan the solicitor that he was going to do a midnight flit and not pay, not pay mm-hmm. rent and uh, Mr Cudigan said that George Pendle was living there rent free and he said he claimed that he had no intention to pay now um, Sarah Corby who I mentioned there was a housemate uh living there said that Donna Lynch had told her to get out of the house and she said that she was informed that she was trespassing. Now she said she followed Mr Lynch down the stairs and that's when she saw Daniel Lynch and she recognised him. Mm-hmm. Now she said to him that it was a miscommunication between the letting agent and the landlord that they knew and that they they knew that they were there and that they weren't trespassing and she said she followed the two men and the other tenants outside. So that's when the Lynches told them that the locks had been changed. They told us that they weren't allowed back in to get their stuff and You know, they were crying. She said, you know, some of them... Uh, you know she'd no shoes on herself she said she told the court this now she um, Miss Corby told the court that she had exchanged texts with a partner of one of the men that summer about a leak and the grass being cut now meanwhile Mark Gosling of Bean and Irwin and Gosling the commercial estate agent said that while inquiries had been made by Sarah Corby to rent the property for the summer that there was no tenancy agreement in place and he told the court that uh, he said that he'd assumed the property was vacant mm-hmm. and that the students had left now he said that he had put the suggestion of a summer rental to the lynches but had never actually heard back from the landlord or from Sarah Corby. Now, um, Mr Gosling told the court as well that he assumed the short-term rental wasn't going ahead. Mm -hmm. He said in August he became aware that people were staying in the house and he went to the house and left a letter asking the students to contact him urgently. Now, he told the court as well that he didn't receive a response. He said he went to the house on the evening of the 9th of August in 2022. He was met there, he said, by George Pendle and he said Mr Pendle agreed to pass on his details for the other tenants to pay rent but he said that nobody contacted him or his staff in the coming days now he also told the court that he informed the landlord that he had made contact with one of the tenants about collecting rent he said he was contacted then by George Pendle on the 11th of August 2022 who asked him for assistance so uh, Mr Gosling said you know he went to the house he said five people were outside He said that the young people outside were upset. He said that uh, George Pendle and Sarah Corby they weren't properly dressed and he said that George Pendle told him that he'd been assaulted during the incident and he said he rang the landlord to arrange access to the property and uh, Mr Gosling was asked in court by Mr Cotigan, the solicitor if he viewed the people living in the house as squatters Mm. and Mr Gosling said that he did. So this as you say Peter this all opened on Tuesday now it has been uh, adjourned and it was for mention and they want to fix a date to its conclusion and it was also said in court that during Garda interviews Daniel and Jonah Lynch had indicated that when they went to the house on the day of the alleged offence that they thought that the property was empty you know they met at 8am they said they changed the lock in the house but then they heard noises in the property and they realised people were actually staying there They've both denied suggestions that they assaulted any of the housemates in the house and mm-hmm. the court heard that the men claimed that they'd been treated in an aggressive manner by one of the men. It was claimed that Daniel Lynch was kicked in the chest by George Pendle. Now, Daniel Lynch said in his guard a statement that he wanted everybody out and nobody hurt. Um, he said that his house in Earth Review had been left in a wreck with clothes and rubbish strewn throughout and uh, Judge Mary O'Leary heard that the landlords were down €5,000 in rent for the summer. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, the case uh, was adjourned in it was adjourned for mention, but they want to fix the date to hear its conclusion. And as I say, it centres around those uh, charges that both Daniel and Jonah Lynch, aged 62 and 32 respectively, are facing. And that's of assaulting a man and a woman, attempting to commit theft of a phone, and trespassing to commit theft at uh, 4 Nursery View in Glasheen Road. And uh, as I say, both men, they're denying the charges.
5: Okay, okay, Maureen. And that's back before the courts in early December, we understand. 11th of August 2022, these incidents occurred. Thank you for that, Maureen. Toohey from the newsroom, that's one we'll come back to because that's fascinating, that's fascinating alright, where are we going, yes I've got this letter, so these are the letters we'll, we'll do more on it over the days to come, uh, it, it started to surface in the last few days letters going around uh, from Electric Ireland um, if you've got one call me at oh eight one I'm grateful to a friend of mine, uh, who I have agreed I won't use his name but they've got one at their house, and it says that credit and debit card details, which were provided to Electric Ireland to make a bill payment on your account, either by yourself or someone making a payment on your behalf, may have been compromised. So too may your name, address, email, phone number, bank details, and date of birth. Card the sheikana is investigating. It then goes through a list of instructions as to what you might do if you are one of the people affected by this. You need to cancel your cards. You need to renew your bank account details and check with your bank that there's been no fraudulent activity. And you need to take appropriate steps to safeguard your financial situation going forward. You're also asked that if you do notice anything out of the ordinary, you contact Electric Ireland and tell them so they can use the information as part of their investigation. Now, there are supposed to be thousands of these letters going around. As I said, I have one in front of me, sent to a friend of mine, whose name I have agreed not to use, but I can vouch for their truthfulness. i tell you that. Ooh, that would frighten. If you get that, that would frighten the living life out of you. Frighten the life out of you. Because if you, we do all of our payments these days, don't we, online using cards and all these kind of things. And this Electric Ireland letter says your cards may have been compromised, your details may be out there, your email, your phone number. Pretty much everything you've ever given Electric Ireland could be out there in somebody else's hands. Somebody who wants to do a lot more than just charge you for the use of the electric. We'll come back to that one. There are loads of those letters out there. 0818969696 I always love getting a new book in from Nicola Talent because even though she is an investigative reporter and everything she writes is fact, her books read like novels and they engross you in whatever she's writing about. This time she's written about Ireland's cocaine problem. Ireland's cocaine crisis her new book is called Cocaine Cowboys, The Rise of Ireland's Drug Lords. I'll talk to Nicola next. 0818
3: 96, 96 96 Join the conversation.
5: This is the Opinion
3: Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 F- you want the biggest hits?
4: Yeah, we are really hooked on this now.
2: Oh, this song is class.
4: Oh my God, when I just heard it down. when I got into the cards, it just bought it right
3: back. You got them right here. The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hit that new tune. Fresh, fresh new music. The
2: Hit Mix with Brian McAvoy. Everything I drop is a the Hit Makes. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio. Weeknights from 8. On Courts 96 FM.
5: Nicola Talent uh, writing about the characters, the murder, the mayhem, the money of our cocaine problem in this country. Cocaine Cowboys is the name of the book. And Nicola, like, like a lot of your previous work, it reads like a novel and you have to remind yourself several times this is reality this is our country this isn't what you're making up this is true it's all happened and it's pretty horrible good morning
7: good morning yes sometimes fact is stranger than fiction as they say um yes look we have a massive big cocaine problem here in the supply and in the demand and obviously we have really kind of hit the international stage, global cocaine trafficking with the Kinnahan Organised Crime Group, which started off as a street gang and within a couple of decades have ended up at the very, very top of this industry and sanctioned by the US. So we're very much on the map when it comes to cocaine. And obviously Cork has been... Sort of an area which has been blighted by it from the very beginning. Yeah, your
5: story starts first, really back in nineteen ninety three with a a man who's now retired from politics, Jim O'Keefe, standing up in the dial to warn about our coastline.
7: Yeah, it does. Like you know, and and it was interesting for me as the book was finished and you know we were preparing to publish that that MV Matthew. It was like as if it had come for, full circle, because of course the first seizures of cocaine and kind of si- significant ones were down around Cork. And then we had a lot of um, incidents of bad weather and various other things with ships coming in to to berth around the harbours and obviously been found to have been, um, you know, all the insides taken out of them, and packed with cocaine. And we see from the beginning, from the early 90s, I think that we're more concerned about cannabis, but actually we've no idea what's coming at us with the cocaine. Um, and those few decades have been a cocaine gold rush into Europe when the South Americans saw Europe as a growth market. And, you know, they they have been obviously pushing the, the, the coke this direction ever since and to a very, very willing marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, Ireland comes out regularly at the top of these reports you see from the UN or from, sorry, from the UN or from Europol as being some of the highest users in the in the globe of, yeah. of cocaine, I, I, um, going which is the, just yeah. extraordinary, really. Going through the book,
5: Nicola, while re, re, you, you talk about the Kinnahans and you talk about tragedies like Katie French and the, the awful murder of that young lad, Keane Mulready Woods, among others, and you bring us through this cast of characters, I get the impression from it that you want to get a strong message across to the casual user, the person who takes a line or two instead of or, in or with a pint on a Saturday night. You're feeding this.
7: For sure. And I mean, this is a message that just doesn't seem to connect with people. You see, with cocaine, you have this situation that you have the regular day-to-day users of it who are, A lot of them poly drug users, they may have addiction issues. They'll buy whatever is available. And then you have this weekend financial boom for the dealers, which is middle class people with their money in their pocket going out to let their hair down. And they're buying a bag of 70 euro, 100 euro of cocaine or whatever. Some of them, it'll do them the night. Some of them, it'll do them the weekend. But they just have this complete disconnect of where that money's going. And I think they just feel, sure, look, it's just a drop in the ocean. What is my hundred quid in this bigger picture? But of course, all those hundred quids come together um, and create these billionaires who are very immoral people and who are sending all this misery back down the lines. And the point I was sort of trying to make was that, you know, the underworld, as we call it, and middle class and high society kind of collide when it comes to cocaine And you you see that happening with the, you know, the social users and then the the dealers kind of coming together almost sometimes. But I think the middle class users of the drug, they go home and they close the door and they get up on a Monday morning, go out to work. And they're not walking out into these neighborhoods that have been blighted by drugs because they don't live in them. You know, and then you'll have these neighbourhoods where people are trying to rear children who are being literally radicalised by gangs on the street. And I mean, that would be their biggest fear that their kids are going to get caught up in drug gangs. And they do. And they'll either end up owing a debt and having to do work for these gangs. I mean, that's exactly what happened in Drogheda. And that could happen in any town or city in this country. And in Drogheda, the gang just basically, you know, as they always do, Divided. There's ambition on both sides. It starts off with very sort of small stuff, you know, maybe knocking a car uh, wing mirror off one another's cars, spraying a bit of graffiti, and it builds and builds and builds. And the culmination of that, obviously, was the dismemberment of a teenage boy mm-hmm. who himself had been groomed into the gang as a, one of these sort of low level enforcers. The big guys don't do anything. They, they, take the money. Yeah. And they sort of make, give the directions, and of course the biggest boys of all are out in Dubai and they have been directing you know, and have in the past, in, in the most recent past, directed all sorts of uh, murder and um, misery really on the streets back home here.
5: Mm. I Do you think um, Nicola, that the person snorting a line before they go out on a Saturday night or nipping in to do a quick line in the toilet in between their few pints or between the pub and the club and like that going back to their good solid job and their mm. nice car on a, on a Monday morning. Do you think that they miss the point that Ken Mulready Woods is partially on them?
7: Or do they care? Do you know what I mean? That's the question. Do just they care? It's It's a different world to them, you know. It's a completely different world. It's somewhere far away, even though it might be up the road or if you're living in a particular town where there's a gun murder or somebody gets killed. You see, every now and then there's somebody caught in the crossfire and that's the moment the politicians stand up and go, this has to stop. You know, we have to do something about this. There are some sort of of these murders. Sometimes a very innocent soul is killed in the middle of a, a, you know, a gang feud. And we get this political reaction and you get a little bit of pushback. And, um, you know, we're very reactive in this country and maybe it's the same everywhere, but we don't sort of seem to lay down the groundwork or have... The community workers, obviously, are the ones on the front line here. Those community groups are working in areas trying to keep kids away from the gangs. They're not funded in the same way the police are funded to sort of try and bring Mm -hmm. them down. So we have all this money being thrown at the problem, but I'm just not sure that we're thinking long term about it. Mm -hmm. We're kind of constantly reacting. We're putting out fires, you know, in one part of the country. Something will blow up in another part of the country. Everybody rushes down there to try and quell the violence or whatever and all the while you have this party going on in the background where you know people are funding it. I mean we're a bit like that as human beings aren't we we know about climate change we know what's coming for us if we don't change our ways and yet we just carry on regardless.
5: Mm. Um, You made a point in another interview that I listened to Nicola Uh, the, the comparison was made with well we're very choosy about where our food comes from, our fruit, our vegetables, our meat. We don't care where our cocaine comes from.
7: Exactly. And, you know, looking into the future as much as we can, um, because, you know, who can? But you're trying to sort of see trends happening elsewhere. And the fact of the matter is, I think Europe and indeed England and Ireland are facing, probably over the next few years, an influx of fentanyl which is the drug that has been pushed up into the U.S. It's causing the death of hundreds of thousands of people. Many celebrities, you know, Prince and various other people, have died from this drug. And it's just been pushed into the entire drug system, including cocaine. So people don't know what they're buying or whether there's any fentanyl in it. And I think that's coming at Europe very soon. Mm -hmm. There's been warnings and reports that the Mexicans have moved into the market here um, and they're they're looking at it as as growth. I mean, we have had very little incidents of fentanyl. There was a number of years ago, a couple of overdoses. It sort of filtered its way into the drug system. But um I mean, that doesn't seem to be enough, even in the US to to stop. Recreational users, they still take their chances. So, we have this sort of underlying issue, which I spoke to Dr. Colin O'Gara about. He's in the John of Gods, he's the head of uh, addiction here, yeah. services yeah. there. He's really, really interesting guy. And, you know, he sort of suggests that there's something in our DNA that we're quite a traumatized population, that life is hard and busy and, you know, stressful. And that we do have this sort of underlying tendency to turn to the drink, really to relax. And maybe that's why we're such prolific users also of cocaine. I personally was looking at some data showing that the like a lot of the users are certainly a high percentage of them are guys within the 25 to 35 age group. Now, there is an area of life where You need a lot of confidence to go out there, don't you, and Mm -hmm. to socialise. And I think that's part of it as well. Mm -hmm. How do you work on that? Dutch Dutch courage
5: has become more Colombian courage. Well, exactly. There's a
7: great phrase now. There's a title. (laughs) You can have that one. You can have uh, that one for
5: free. Dutch courage become Colombian. Yeah, no, you'll
7: you'll sue me for that. You'll sue me (laughs) if I ever use that one, Uh but I like it. You're welcome to
5: (laughs) it. Make, make, Make the comparison, though, with another drug that's been around since forever, and that's. Heroin, cocaine, and heroin—they've both been there. In, they're everywhere. But we don't. Ha- we we yeah. we look on heroin, sort of down our nose, and go, heroin. Oh God. Oh God. Look at that heroin. That. And then yeah. we kind of, oh, look there's this cocaine over there. We they're there. They're both there in in high availability, easy availability. But we seem to have a different attitude to heroin.
7: We do, and I think the users do as well. I mean, heroin is an addictive drug, physically addictive drug, and people trying to come off it often have to go into residential uh, rehabilitation to come off it because there's massive physical side effects for that. Cocaine is more a psychologically addictive drug than uh, physically. So they're different in that way. So a heroin user will get up in the morning and they will literally have to, you know, beg, steal or borrow to get their fix and they'll hide away to take it. They won't be in a trendy pub or club, you know, pulling it out and passing it around, whereas cocaine has this image that it's okay to to do that. I mean, there's reports all over the country of people using it openly openly in pubs, it's been sold openly, there's no shame attached to it. I always feel very sorry for heroin users. I'm sure you see them around Cork yourself. Yeah. No, and they're broken people, and they're judgment. destroyed. Broken people and like most of them um, will have some underlying trauma in their lives or they've had, you know, a childhood of pain mm-hmm. and this drug is something that they take because they're sort of totally addicted to that moment when that pain goes. Yes. So it's a completely different thing, whether, whereas cocaine is, you know, cocaine is this thing that's going to up your mood, keep you awake at night, keep you awake, sorry, rather during the night, sort of revive you maybe if you're feeling time to go home. And, so it's a totally different thing, but there's an addiction to that as well, really, that feeling, that sensation. And I think what happens is people start taking it and they just put it down to being recreational and then it sort of creeps in, into like, you know, instead of using one night a week, they're using two, three, they're spending more money on it. The personalities will change and it has bad effects on moods and mm. all the rest of it. But again, people taking it know all that they don't need me and I'm not a medical person. They don't need me to tell them that, but um, it's kind of been used like teenagers, teenagers using cocaine. When did that happen? Yeah. And they are, and yeah. they're, and they're, they're seeing it as a totally normal thing as part of their, their growing up process, you know, mm. um. I mean, that is a long way from when I was growing up. It's the availability of it that yeah. is.
5: There was a retired, or a, I think he was on the point of retirement, was an assistant commissioner of the Guards a few years ago. Nicola said, it's in every corner of every village mm. in Ireland. Was it Christy you know, was his first name?
7: That was Christy Mangan, who yeah. has just retired. And Christy Mangan... Um, who I've known all my career and all his. I mean, I remember meeting Christy Mangan when he was covering, he was a drug squad officer and I was covering Rathfarnham District Court in Dublin as a rookie reporter. And he has had a career, he's seen it all. But he ended up at the end of his career in Drogheda, just at that time when that feud broke out. And um, Christy would say that the balance of power almost topped in Drogheda. And it almost became the town was on the verge of being run by the gangs. That's how serious the situation was. And really, he didn't get the national support up there until the the death of Kean Mulready Woods, which was so unacceptable for us that a child would be kidnapped and dismembered and his body parts left around the country. I mean, that was like something that happened in Mexico. I was getting calls at that stage from the UK, from Australia. You know, this was a, a an international story. This had happened in Ireland. Um, and that's, at that moment, I think then he got the national support he needed. Mm. And that, listen, that feud has touch wood quelled. It'll always still be rumbling in the background in the same way as... You know the Kinahan hutch feud in Dublin. While we haven't seen any murders, those deep divides are still going to be there forevermore. Yeah. But you know, when you're looking at bringing in the army into a town to try and control the gangs, that's a bad You list. have a serious, serious problem, and you know. The thing that has shown up again and again from these massive phone hacks, I won't go into the details of them for you because it's long and complex, but basically the cops have been able to listen in on the communication systems the gangs use. They've had two major hacks in Europe over the past few years and they've been listening live to what's been going on in the underworld and the big takeaway point I think for Europol has been the amount and the level of corruption and that's corruption of the judiciary of the police of the port workers you know of the industries that are around transport of this drug and corruption comes with it and very much we have to be awake to that here in Ireland Mm. as well I think personally the fishing industry are under a lot of pressure from the gangs. And you have reports of fishermen, now I'm not talking about in Ireland, but in Europe, being shown pictures of their children and being (laughs) told you need to go out to such and such a navigation point at this time at night and bring this stuff in for us. Some of them, the corruption is a willing corruption. People want money. They want to be paid for something. They see it as just passing on a bit of information. But we have to be just aware of all of this. All of this. And certain industries need extra protection now.
5: Mm-hmm. You have, and it comes through, Nicola, and it always has, in fact, through all of your your writing over the years, you have incredible respect for the guards and the efforts that they put in to quell this.
7: Well, when you when you see them, what they're going into, I don't know, did you watch that thing on Virgin, the guards? It was it, called it, 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 the, the yeah. something district before, but I thought Inside that was cage. a brilliant Inside the K, it was called originally, and the second series, which is on, it was on recently, it was called The Guards. Brilliantly made documentary, Fly on the Wall, took a long time to make, but you see the situation they're going out into and the kind of people they're dealing with and the chaos and how they're trying to navigate, you know, maybe arresting somebody who's running a crack den in a house where there's children in it and how they want to leave um, a memory of those children that they were respected and not because. You know, you don't want the guards, you don't want communities or young people to think that the guards are just out to get them. You know, that is another issue that's always been there. Um, Someone asking here, have you you
5: family connections to the guards?
7: I actually do have members of my wider family who are guards, but I've never been a complete and utter songstress for the guards, I can yeah, tell I know you. That, yeah. I've done as much I've done as much work uh pointing out some of their uh incapabilities as I have their capabilities. But I know certainly within the the dismantling of the Kinahan organization, within the work they've done around drugs, I would admire the guys on the ground going out. They're many of them unarmed and they're going into situations where uh, these gangs are all armed now and they are so trigger happy um, and you know, I mean again I don't I don't particularly uh, have a particular draw for the guards, I'm not somebody who's coming out saying everything they do is right, never have been mm. um, but I think that they're facing down a monster and I think that they are not the only ones that we need to see as fighting this, I mean we need education, we need social services, we need the community workers as well, yeah. to be well funded, well respected, and given as much of a forum as the guards are when with with their work, yeah. because it's as important. If they can navigate a young person through it's only a small period really of their lives when we're all been daft between, you know, whatever you are, sixteen and nineteen twenty. Usually yeah. if you get to the other side of that yeah. You get a bit of sense, maybe a job, a car, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever it is, and you settle down a bit. But it's just the ability to navigate them away from the gangs through that and, you know, we'd all be in a better place.
5: It's it's all in here and you wish it was fiction, but it's not. You're bringing the show on the road, Nicola. You're doing a, a, you're coming to the Everyman in February. You're touring with this as as a stage show.
7: Yes, and um, I did a, a show earlier this year, um on Imerta, which I was down in Cork for that as well. It is a sort of a live, interactive story of this sort of monster that has kind of rolled in on the high seas and, you know, covered the entire country like a blizzard. Um, and there's lots of interesting stories. You know, it's not just all about statistics. There's lots of interesting characters that have tried their hands at becoming you know, cocaine lords. Some of them have failed. Some of them have succeeded. There's lots of interesting sort of connections between high society and, uh, you know, gangland and um, and it'll be all those stories um, I do a second part which is a kind of a more entertaining shall we say but it's a live podcast with my co-host on the, the crime world show Niall Donald so look I don't know I never thought I'd be bringing this kind of thing to the stage but there's an appetite for it sure people is. are interested in this as long as you're sort of doing something as regards the education of people you know, I'll just keep doing
5: it. Well, congratulations on yet another fine piece of writing. Nicola Talent, author of Cocaine Cowboys, also podcaster, and many other strings to her bow, coming to the Everyman, February 15th, 2024, tickets available now. Uh, that's It's a great read. It's a frightening read. And the most frightening thing when you tell yourself every few pages is this is true. She didn't make any of this up. It's all true.
3: Join the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Live.
3: With Hidden Hearing. focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
5: Cork's Gold Emerald Award-winning sports show.
3: Right, right here, right there. The score on Corks 96 FM. Join me,
8: Trevor Welsh, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another big day of Gaelic Games action and we bring you all of the reaction to Cork City's promotion relegation battle with Waterford. Right here, right now. Join Trevor Welsh for the score
3: this Sunday from 2
5: pm on Corks 96 FM. Jacqueline, you sent us this or you put it on Facebook. What bill is that I'm looking at? Good morning.
9: Uh, how are you? I, I first off, I started off with...
5: you get closer to the phone there for me, Jacqueline, if you
9: want, yeah. please? F- first I started off with, with say, 50 odd. For, for what yeah, is it, this, it, though? For it, Sky, is it? Nine, 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 I'm looking at my thin hair from December. It was ninety nine twenty. 20. That was for TV and broadband. And then I went up to... Next month Then I went up to 101, then 120... Then 117, then 117 again, 117, 117, 117, 122 for October to November.
5: Right, and this is for Sky, yeah. Yeah.
9: And what have f- you? The
5: television, and you have the television broadband and broadband, and yeah. And broadband, okay. Well,
9: so, December was for December. Now it's going to be 135, and then for January it's going to be 137, and February when my last bill.
5: 138 Wow Yeah And how long have you got it in?
9: A year No, my contract will be up in January, February I think I've put in January but I think it'll be I have to turn it off pay January and be turned off February
5: Right And like with the television do you have things like sports and movies or is that just no, I have
9: movies but not sports Okay yeah. The <laughs> broadband used to be 45 now it's 60
5: Yeah Yeah
9: I it this robbery.
5: Like. You get all these offers, you see them on the paper yeah. and on the telly and on the Facebook and you come up and you, you click in and it's sort of what, 30 odd quid a month for a yeah. year and then yeah. it changes and changes quickly. So you're paying an average of what, 110, 112 a month now? Well, the last one was
9: 122 we were paying and then it was back to yeah. what, October, November. Hundred and twenty-two eighty-one.
5: Yeah, it's very expensive.
9: Yeah. auto has gone? And when the minute has gone, I get the fire stick. My brother and I. Well, have now, fire <laughs> stick and been nothing. Well, it's no, Jacqueline, no, I
5: can't. I can't endorse that because it's not. It's not legal. But I know. <laughs> I I know you don't. But there's a lot of people doing that.
9: I was sticking in area. Look, my television, and I been getting a second RT one and two. <laughs> my husband and I watch the RTE anyway. I know. Yeah. And I read so. Yeah. I only watch EastEnders. That's it, EastEnders.
5: Right. You don't watch a whole part of the show. You're better off with Cereview then, if that's what you're doing.
9: That's right. Yeah, Sir going in. And my son has to reset the internet every second, second day, although.
5: Oh. Does it?
9: Yeah, he can't get it down in his room at all. If he needs an extra thing to get it. Right. Yeah. So I'll be looking out for cheaper broadband as well. Oh, right. No, it's very, And, it's and very I got fair. one. I got one phone turned off as well because my husband wasn't paying his bills. I was paid every second thing. so I got his phone turned off, and they still charged me the other day. They wouldn't give me back my twenty
5: quid. Yeah, all, you're, you're, you're you're clearly not having a good uh, having a good relationship with them. But it is very like you say. You don't have any. You have movies. What's the movies cost you per
9: month? I, haven't, oh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't even watch it. And subtotal, Sky Cinema subscription is eighteen. Sky HD, which ultimate adds TV add-on discounted six quid. So mm. TV add-on, I don't know. Just. Well, just
5: what was your a, basic telly package?
9: Sky Signature. I don't know what Sky Signature is. discounted from twenty one sixteen to twenty-five. My TV charge is seventy-two ninety-seven, wow. and broadband is sixty. Yeah. And that will be going up next month, and it'll be going up the next month, and it'll be going up, until they're finished. Yeah. And if I try and get out of contract, I I saw a post there yeah. somebody tried to get out of contract and they wanted 350.
5: You have a home landline, do you? That's included no, in
9: it? No, I don't.
5: You don't? Okay.
9: No. Okay.
5: okay. Now that's expensive, all right, Jacqueline. You're paying what? You, so your last bill was what? 100 and 122 something.
9: 122.
5: That's, that's expensive, Jacqueline. At odds with her Sky bill at the moment for TV, broadband. Um, 122 was her last bill. She... (laughs) I can't endorse this, lads. I can't. Um, But Stephen says, I pay 75 euro a year. I've absolutely everything. I make no apology for having a fire stick when media companies are literally robbing their customers. No apology whatsoever, says Stephen. Cork. Yeah, okay. Okay, Stephen. Do you know what's putting up the price of the sport, though? We're all mad about our sport. I have... I use my, I don't want to be seen as advertising them, but I use now, and there are very good discounts for sport on now, and that's all I will say. But what's putting up the price is the wages of your favorite soccer player. Like something has to pay for a guy trousering four or five hundred thousand a week. Something has to pay for that. I know loads of people are using dodgy boxes and all loads of people are buying fire sticks and know loads of people are doing all that kind of thing I can't endorse it lads I can't like be in the height of trouble if I did but I know it's out there 0818 96, 96, 96. Kevin says broadband also includes the landline but Jacqueline says she doesn't have a landline so it doesn't apply with her but 122 a month and she says all she watches is RT1 RT2 uh, and EastEnders that is a lot of money. That is rather a lot of money. Has anybody ever gotten on to Sky and managed to negotiate them down to a reasonable price? Eh? Oh, 0818 96 96 96. PJ, can you say to people to be very careful with their handbags or their shopping in churches in the city centre? I was in a church yesterday and I saw someone robbing bags and then saw a priest running two people out of the church. He'd seen them going through the sacristy. Talking to the people in the office later, they said there's at least one bag a week taken in the church. The thieves are so professional, and so light-fingered. It's scary to watch them. People need to keep an eye on their stuff, especially if they're in there praying maybe in grief over a loved one, or they might be excited about communions, confirmations. If you're going to church for any reason at all, just popping in to say a prayer for the the holy souls in this month of November. Be careful of your bag. Be careful of your wallet. Be careful of anything you have with you, because there's a lot of thievery about. Thank you for that.
3: Join the conversation.
2: This is the opinion Live.
3: with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit Hidden Hearing.ie. 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation Call 0818 96 96, 96. Text
2: or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
3: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Watch
5: 96FM Somebody contacted us yesterday to know was there going to be an official switch-on of the Christmas lights and yesterday as we were finishing the show we didn't know anything about the Christmas lights other than that they're going up and the trees are going up and you see the lorries in the morning and the vans or the ladders just been taken down as you're coming in as the the lads do another night's work on putting up our our Christmas lights but we didn't know whether there was going to be an official switch on. Uh, I don't think there is somehow. This year's Christmas lights... Event in the city will be known as Corkmas there'll be lights there'll be Christmas trees Sullus is the centrepiece we have no Bishop Lucy Park this year Uh, the focus the centrepiece will be at Emmet Place down there on the public plaza and looks exciting looks brilliant actually Uh, it'll all come on on the 18th of November you won't need Tickets or pre-booking or anything To get on to Emmett Place But it's going to look really spectacular They're calling that Solace The uh, big wheel is coming back onto the Grand Parade For another Christmas season And everybody's gearing up for it And it looks like everything will be switched on And all the lights will be on And all the displays will be in place From the 18th November Which is Saturday week But in answer to the question that came in yesterday We don't see any official switch-on event in the diary it doesn't seem to be one, which is a pity because people used to love that. They really did. used to love that. used to get huge crowds into Patrick Street. It obviously had to stop during COVID, but it never came back after COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't think it did Came back after COVID. And there's no plan, according to the details we have anyway. From And look, it'll be brilliant. It'll be lovely. The lights will be fantastic. Looking forward to what's coming on Emmett Place, all starting Saturday week. But no sign... Of an actual official switch on event. At the moment, anyway. 0818969696 on cocaine and says, PJ, the world has gone mad. It's totally acceptable to pass around cocaine in the posh pubs, but the poor old soul having a puff of a fag or a vape outside the door are getting hassled outside these pubs. They're all frowned, having a smoke or a vape was frowned upon for feck's sake Suzanne! and they're passing around back of cocaine inside thank you for that remind me to tell you about the weirdest Christmas present the sports fan in your life might just love this might just love this then again it could be the cause of divorce in the wrong house at the wrong time and I can't imagine trying to wrap it and put it under a Christmas tree I'll tell you about it in a minute. 0818 96 96 96. We have caught up over the last year or so a few times with uh, Pat O'Neill, who lives in the Canary Islands, and we chatted to him about heat waves, we chatted to him about bushfires, we chatted to him about life out there and the cost of living. Um, Pat, you're off travelling. Now, why you'd want to leave, I don't know. But you're off travelling, and you're going to base yourself in Buenos Aires, But it's an, it's an experiment In travelling for nothing, if you can. Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. Yes, uh, kind of. Uh, Why am I, uh, like, I have a travelling bug. I've travelled a lot of places in the world. Um, So I've been there before, PJ, about four years ago in Buenos Aires, And um, this time, I reckon I can do a cost-neutral. For nothing. it's not really going to cost me Um well I'm going to rent out my apartment here for two months to a friend of a friend and I have already booked an apartment in Buenos Aires for two months Um say for example I'm going to get 1500 euro for my place here mm-hmm. and I have one over there booked for 900 and the excess then has booked my ticket over you know And um, then the cost of living is cheaper over there as well. So I reckon I can do it for cost neutral. Why
5: do you want to go there again?
10: Uh, Okay, it's going to be a very... Okay, I was there four years ago, and it's probably, I think it's the most beautiful city in um, South America. And I've been to about seven countries there. Um, It's also a very interesting time to go there. Next Sunday week, they're having probably the most um, important election in the history of the country. Uh, you have actually a guy called Javier Milley, and he's like a Donald Trump type uh, character, and it looks like he might win. Really? Might. Yeah. He's, high in, he's, I like he's to, definitely uh,
5: high in the polls anyway.
10: He is. I was looking at one poll there yesterday now, and he's ahead uh, just about, and this company was the most accurate um, in Doom polls the last time, you know. So, like, but things are dire. It's like very, it'll be great for me going over there because I'm going to bring over Euro. Um, but, like, inflation, PJs, work uh, 150% this year. Yeah, the peso is the, is
5: the is yeah. the currency. And you say that four years ago, there was 73 pesos to a dollar. Which yeah, is about what, well, 75 well, what to got, the
11: Euro?
10: you got the peso and you got a thing called the blue dollar. It's like a parallel. It's like the unofficial rate, but it's not illegal or anything. Um, When I was there four years ago, I said the official rate was 35 pesos to the dollar. And by going into these places, I got 73. So I nearly got double, you know. Mm. Um, Now, the peso, four years on, I was looking there this morning, it's 850 to the dollar. It was a thousand last week.
5: Yeah. So, you'll need a wheelbarrow, not a wallet.
10: Yeah, do you know that's the weirdest thing? Because the last time I was there four years ago, when it was seventy three, um, like a hundred euro, like your wallet would be stuffed. You know, so I'm actually trying to figure that one out. In my
5: edge, you know. And do they use card or digital? No.
10: Uh, no, see, if I use the card, right? If I went into a supermarket or any place and used the card, I'd be uh, I'd be charged the official rate because you're going through an unofficial. So you're losing fifty percent by using oh, the card. Oh, okay,
5: yeah.
10: yeah, dig yeah, in so, now,
5: dig that one in for me now. So Argentina has this the peso, and go back to the blue. So yeah. there are two exchange rates. There's the official one.
10: And the unofficial one is called the dollar azul, the blue right, dollar. Right. Now, there are exchange places nearly everywhere, right? It's not unofficial. Like, you can go into a Western Union and yeah. change your dollars or euro for this rate, and it's double the official rate. But, like, for example, if I went into a supermarket and I paid my groceries with my card, I'd be getting the official rate. I see.
5: I see. It's very strange. Yeah. So, so you will be catching bringing, those I'm
10: everywhere. Oh, I'm I'm entering, uh, I'm up to the ATM, i bring in a lot of Euros with me because like basically like I'll get twice the money uh
5: using my euro, you know. What's that? you said you were there a few years ago. What is there to see in Buenos Aires?
10: Oh, it's a beautiful city. Of you know, of all the of all the places in South America, like a lot of South Americans will always kinda look north to North America, the USA, you know. Yeah. But actually uh Argentina's very European in their outlook, you know they kind of look to Europe um, it kind of reminds me of Barcelona in a way, you know right. it's a very
5: beautiful city is there, with, with inflation so, rates like that though there must be a lot of poverty
10: Oh my god PJ, like I'm saying this now I'm going to get double my money and all that, but it is horrible for Argentinians, you know um, someone, an Argentinian guy who was speaking to here in Las Bahamas was saying that there's even prices uh, in the supermarket, basically saying that it could change by the time you get up to the till, you know? Wow. Um, like, yeah, it's like running at, uh, inflation is running at uh, 10% a month, so like that's 2.5% a week.
2: You well, know, so... We, we, currently,
5: we run, currently have an, an, an inflation rate and we're we We consider it a crisis we have an inflation rate of, what seven or eight percent here, and yeah, it's a hundred and twenty four percent yeah yeah it's
10: going has gone yeah no's gone up to i think the latest figures it's uh, running at a hundred and fifty percent, and the guy that's gone up against this trump type guy. Um, Massa, I think, is his um, he's the economy minister, you know, so he has his, like, fingerprints over the 150% uh, inflation rate, you know. Mm-hmm. They're from the Peronists, you know, the party of uh, Juan and Evita Peron. Yes, of course,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, going to
10: do,
5: yeah. you're going you're to set up a TikTok so we can watch you.
10: Yeah, I've set, I have it set up right now. I'm going to still do stuff from the Canary Islands. I set up a TikTok there about a couple of weeks ago. It's called Vamos, V-A-M-O-S, Canary Islands. Yes. And And, um, like, I'd really appreciate it if people followed me, or if they were interested. Um, I have about 700 followers, but I need a 1,000 to go live. And so I would love to go live there and, and look at political rallies and just explain to people... How you would go and change currency? Now, it's really bad for Argentinians, uh, PJ. But it's a fantastic uh, place to go right now as a tourist. You know. Yeah. Is it safe? You'll never get better value. You know. Is it safe? Um, I didn't have any problems there, but uh, you know, it's like bad times kind of make good people maybe do bad things. You know. Mm. So you just gotta be, you just gotta be wary. You know, not flashing the cash or. You know, doing anything stupid, you know. But I got through South America four years ago. I spent traveling seven months, and uh, I wouldn't say without a problem. But you know, I, I survived. It's about the best way to put
5: it. You know, just yeah. by being not being stupid. You know. Yeah. What's the climate over there like? I mean, I know you're leaving. You're leaving the island of no winter.
10: <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to the summer because it's uh, past the equator, so they're now actually heading into the summertime.
12: Right.
10: Yeah, so I'm leaving. I'm going from summer to summer, really, you know. And it's not too hot, like, you know, it's in the 30s, but it's not oppressive or anything
5: like that, you know. You're well used after the year you've had over there.
10: Yeah, yeah, sure. It was horrible here. Uh, it was in the 40 Celsius there for the first 15 days of October, like, uh, and it never went under 30 a night, which was too hot, you know. But it's back yeah, you to had normal a, There though, was a heat wave in huh?
5: October. I heard about that. There was oh, a heat wave.
10: It was crazy. It was crazy. Over forty degrees during the day and not going under thirty at night. That's hard. It was oh believe me, uh, I couldn't sleep for most of it at night. I don't mind it during the day, it's just the night time is uh trying mm-hmm. to get to sleep, you know. But it's back to normal now again, mid twenties
5: and beautiful and sunny, you know. And you're and you're leaving. I don't know why, but no, I know you're going to a place <laughs> that you want to know more about. now it'll be Vamos Canary Islands and that and and that's the TikTok you'll be using. Your That's trip, the
10: TikTok yeah. one I'm using. And I'm already posting stuff about the Canary Islands on that. Uh, and I'm going to be uh, just basically I'm posting uh, what's it like to live in the Canary Islands, but buying property, mm. rent, that kind of stuff. Great. Huh?
5: Great. Remind people again, Pat, because they're saying, who is this fella? Who lives in the Canaries and he's gone off for two months to Buenos Aires and he seems to be living the life yeah. the life of Riley. Tell us a bit about yourself. How did you end up in this lovely part of the world in the first place?
10: Uh well, I say about eight or ten years ago I was living I'm actually from Albert Road in Cork City, you know. Mm. As they used to call it years, Dewtown. Jewtown, yes. Um, so they still
5: call it Jewtown. So
10: Yeah, yeah. Great place, great place to live. Um but um one winter, I was working online, and I said to a friend, it was a horrible winter. It was like storm after storm. And I said, like, oh, God, you know, I, I'm getting out of here. So, Because I, I, I asked a few people I worked with, and they said once I could work abroad, you know, once I could uh, work away, it was fine. So I came to Gran Canaria for three months, <laughs> like November, December, and January, and I liked it. I came up to Las Palmas one weekend of that, and I absolutely loved it,
12: mm-hmm.
10: and then I, when I got back, I just couldn't settle, and then I came back to Las Palmas in July or something the next year, I think about 2015 or something like that, and uh, I, I didn't know anyone here. didn't absolutely know anyone here when I arrived, you know, mm-hmm. and actually the first day, I was inside an office uh, signing a rent ag- agreement. And I met a man from the Hinch and County Clare who is actually my best friend today over here. There you
12: go.
10: go. (laughs) He was buying a place, I was renting a place. And he started speaking Irish to me. And I (laughs) I thought I was actually, I thought I was flipping out. I was like, because he heard me speaking to the other people. So he he knew I was Irish. And he said, saw too. I was just like looking at him. Like,
5: that happened you know. to me in a police station in India, but it's a long story, didn't you? Oh
10: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have a couple of police station ones as well that I prefer
5: not to share. So so are living work out there now since what, twenty fifteen?
10: Yeah, yeah. So uh two years ago I sold up in Cork and I I, I came over here, you know. So a few. I'm like you, there's a friend of mine recently, he has a house in Dublin. And uh, house here, and he said, we're very similar. And I said, we're not similar at all. I said, I sunk. I'm like mutiny on the bounty. I'm sunk by ship. I can't go back, you
5: know. Mm. But I'm
10: happy here, you know.
5: Good for you. Good for you. And enjoy when yeah. Aires we will keep in touch with you. You know what? We might, even, we might even have a chat while you're out there.
10: Yeah, I think that would be great, PJ, because it's going to be very, it's going to be very, very interesting. Like, I arrive on I leave on Sunday, arrive on Monday, and the election's on the next Sunday, and I just think it's I'm going to try and get to a couple of uh
5: political rallies you know good man good it's man be and you'll be out you'll be out there for Christmas, which I know they celebrate Christmas in that part of the world, don't they big time <laughs>
10: They do i was uh yeah, I was in Argentina four years ago I spent Christmas in their second city cordova mm. um now I got a bit of a surprise there that uh, every place seemed to close down Christmas evening uh Christmas Day and St. Stephen's today, so it was kind of boring for me. Yes. But I'd prepare
5: this time, you know. It's one of I the busiest it's crazy. one of the busiest few days of the year in the Canaries,
10: yeah. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And it's hopping here, it's still as busy as ever, you know. Good, good to see like, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, busy as ever here.
5: Yeah. Did, uh, so Did you get married over there? Somebody wants to know. <laughs> no, no.
10: Someone actually asked me that. Uh someone asked me that recently, like uh Uh, any luck with with the women in the Canary Islands, I said, no, but that's everywhere, you know. Are you single uh, and ready to
5: mingle, you are, Lang?
10: I'm single at the moment, PJ, yeah, yeah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But there'll be no mingling, there'll be no mingling.
10: (laughs) No mingling, no mingling, you know.
5: (laughs) Listen, Pat, we will catch up, we will catch up, and here's what we're going to do now, we'll definitely catch up, we don't catch up before it, we will catch up uh, in Christmas week, um, when we catch up with Irish people and Cork people around the world so book him in for Christmas week uh, from Buenos Aires to see was like over there Pan O'Neill. Vamos Canary Islands Vamos V-A-M-O-S Vamos Canary Islands on uh, TikTok uh, that should be interesting to follow that he's heading out because he can he's renting out his place in the Canary Islands the rent in Buenos Aires is half he'll fly there with change and get himself through a couple of months. He earns a few quid through Vamas Canary Islands and other such things. Don't be worried about him at all. I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous as hell. So I am. Thanks, Pat. 0818 96 96 96. Here is the gift, the Christmas gift, that could get you divorced, could get you... Uh, It could be the best Christmas present you ever bought for someone. But be very careful about it. Have you got a GAA fan in your family? And I mean a real fanatic. Like, are you married to one? A GAA fanatic. Did you know that you can now buy them their own seat from the Cusick stand in Croke Park? No, no, no. Not actually a season ticket in this. You can buy the actual seats. There's 250 of them going on sale. They're refurbishing the lower stand in the Cusack. And they're actually taking the seats out of the stand and selling them to people. You could put two of them in the front room, or one even, but definitely one anyway, maybe two. You could put them in the front room facing the big television screen and put a little mini fridge in beside That'd be a great wouldn't that be a great Christmas present? No, it might also get you divorced, I know that. It reminds me of a time uh, my local when I lived in Carrigaline, was Cogan's. It's now Mabel Lane. But my local at the time was Cogan's, and there was a little gang of us used to meet down there every Tuesday night. I was off most Wednesdays or didn't start work until late on the Wednesday, so we was there's a gang of us went down on a Tuesday night for years. And years and years while I was living in Carrigaline. Just a couple of points, maybe watch a match, bit of crack, few stories. But you know yourself now, a few lads, it might be Anthony from four to 14 of us on a, on a Tuesday night. If I didn't turn up on a Tuesday night, someone would ring me the following day, see, was all right? There's that kind of a thing. The postman, Henry, the postman from Carrigaline, you just knock on my door if I hadn't made it and He'd say, you all right? You all right? We were not there last night. But they did a, a refit at the pub one time. Um Finbar and Calais, gotta be good to them both <laughs> did a refit of the pub and at me, having been down there on a Tuesday night and maybe had one or two more than I normally would have, what did I put into the back of a taxi to bring home only my stool? My bar stool. <laughs> it was almost the fastest divorce in the history of divorce. Oh eight
3: one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the
2: conversation This is the opinion
3: line With Hidden Hearing focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox 96 FM
5: Yeah if I'm wrong about that thing to do with the Christmas lights by the way I will very happily stand corrected. But I gave you the details just after the news, and it's in the news this morning, and in the papers as well, that we will have Christmas lights in the city. Of course we will. We will have Christmas trees. What used to be in Bishop Lucy Park isn't there this year, but there's a huge event on, Our huge focus on Emmett Place. Fantastic experience to be had there, and that'll be called Solace. And it all starts and kicks off on the 18th of November, which is Saturday week, the big wheel is back on the Grand Parade. That's what we know, but we don't know because it isn't mentioned in the press release, if there
3: It's that time of the year. your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about
6: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify.
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
5: There's an official switching on event. Someone contacted us yesterday asking to know if there would be, because in the past it was always a great feel-good event, a great evening for the people at Cork to get together for the switching on of the lights and all the all the ceremony and fun and laughter that goes with that. But there's no sign of it. Uh, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. But so far, it's not. And I'm disappointed in that for the person who contacted us yesterday. 0818 96 While I was off last month, Gareth was chatting to Isabel. Isabel Kavanaugh, president of the Students' Union at MTU cork and they had problems with transport and problems with parking and a number of other issues and she went through the details with gareth while i was away there's been some progress quite an amount of progress actually isabel and i want you to go through it for me but first of all recap the problems that you had good morning
13: hi pj how are you
5: good good
13: um, so I suppose what we were protesting about really was obviously from the government side, like a lack of student accommodation, which obviously has a domino effect on more people have to commute from fair journeys with their cars. So more people are driving. So there's more traffic on the road. So that's something for the government to deal with, you know, dealing with those pressures and those issues, improving the public transport, because students feel like they have to drive because either the buses don't go from their towns, or when they do, they're infrequent, they frequently drive past people if they're standing out in the rain. And then there was the obvious domino effect then on MTU, where there's more cars, so there's not enough parking for all the cars, people were getting clamped left, right and centre, people were trying to park wherever they could just to make an exam. And um, so I suppose we were outlining all these issues along with infrastructural issues, such as it's great to see all the buildings being built. But I suppose students felt like that the current students were being forgotten about when it comes to building and improving seating and everything like that. So that was basically what it was about mm. in a nutshell.
5: Yeah. 24th of October, you, you has all walked out, as it were. Now, you yes. sent me a, a document last evening on your progress. Start with park yes. and ride has been agreed.
13: Yeah. So we met with the college on Tuesday this week. And to be fair to them now, I must say they came with a lot of solutions, as did we. It was a very proactive meeting. And I suppose the biggest, biggest win was the park and ride. So they're going to do a pilot park and ride service and it'll be in place for semester two this year, which means it'll be in place when students return in January. And then the park and ride service will be in place from September semester one next year. So the new round of students that come will have access to it as well. And it will run from the Corrheen Greyhound track and uh, more details to follow. Oh, course, they have a good car
5: park there, there subject, don't yeah.
13: they? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So That's we fantastic.
5: Camping on anyway. campus. Gone?
13: So it's suspended at the moment, currently, um, except for when obviously if a car is blocking an emergency service vehicle or causing an obvious obstruction or where a vehicle is parked overnight without permission. Okay just because we noticed that since there's new student accommodations dotted around the college, they've failed to input parking areas themselves. Mm -hmm. So a lot of students obviously have to park wherever they can. So they've been leaving their cars overnight in MTU, which obviously is causing a knock-on effect for students trying to park in the morning then.
5: Mm. Yeah, people were coming in really early. And another one of your issues was you couldn't get a bite to eat in the canteen. That's been addressed.
13: Yeah, so the seating in the canteen as well. Um, So first of all people were saying that because they have to come in so early due to the lack of parking they have to park their car early so they'd love for somewhere to go and even heat up a breakfast or something like that themselves so the canteen will now be open at the doors will be open from half seven which actually started this morning. Um, It used to be open at quarter past eight, so that's a big difference. Um, And also, they're also committed to revamping the West Atrium, which is the overflow canteen. Currently, it's just chairs sprawled around the place. The space isn't really utilised efficiently, so they've committed that they're going to revamp that in the coming months as well.
5: This has been a very productive meeting you had the other night. Now, another gripe was that while the public transport services are there, they don't go close enough. They're not frequent enough. You wanted... You wanted more on-campus bus stops or or close-to-campus bus stops.
13: I suppose, yeah, that was another one of the things. We have a bus stop on campus, but the problem is that the buses that go to it, only the 205 stops on campus. And when we were doing our walkout, we actually staged a blockade in the car park where the highest authorities parked their cars in the morning, and we were watching the bus as it was coming in, and the 205 was heavily full at quarter past eight So, you know, there should be two buses at least running at these peak times to ensure that students can come to college and that the bus isn't driving past them. So I suppose MTU has committed to the formal liaison with the Transport Infrastructure Ireland, the NTA, and Bus Aaron, with the aim being to increase the frequency of bus service at peak times and the provision of additional bus capacity at the on-campus bus stops. And obviously, this liaison will include demands for both Bishopstown and Ringaskiddy areas. And they've also committed to extending the bus shelter that's on the MTU campus. So during, I think it's during the summer, they're going to be um, the NTA or Bus Aaron are going to be. Making that bigger so that when students are trying to wait for the bus because there's huge queues and that they'll have somewhere to stand in out of the rain, so that's another good thing as well.
5: What's this about a commuter bus service then? Uh, privately privately operated, I imagine, but but coming in from towns where where people to, to get the college that isn't currently supplied by, by regular buses.
13: Yeah. So this is still in the works with the college, but they're basically working with a company to explore the possibility of direct commuter bus services for students linking nearby towns. And it would be managed through a booking app then. You know, I think it's the way we're going is managing it through apps and then you can gather how much numbers... Are going to use it and promoting it properly. I think because students are finding it hard to get from nearby towns because there's so many bus stops in the middle of it and there's so much traffic on top of it. So to have, let's say, a bus that runs straight from Cork City straight out to MTU with no stops would be a massive help for students to get to college in the mornings.
5: What would also be very handy because I know you were, um, people were complaining when Gareth was talking about this that, look, I might get in on the bus, but if I get a bus, then I'm late for my first lecture and there's no consideration that I was on a bus or trying to get a bus. Now, part of that argument might be, Isabel, get an earlier bus, but for people Mm -hmm. who can't have an earlier bus, or there isn't an earlier bus for them, what's happening with the timetables?
13: Well, MTU have also committed to including travel as a consideration when they are processing timetables, including timetabling classes across the full week, because I know there are a lot of courses who maybe don't, have classes on a Friday, yeah. so it seems that all their classes are are, mic- are all meshed together Monday to Thursday. So I think if it was properly spread out across the whole week, it would create a massive ease on parking, on buses, because people would be going at different times. And I know myself, when I used to get the bus to college, it was either get the bus at half seven and be in the college for ten to eight Or get the bus at half eight and be in the college for half nine and miss my nine o'clock lecture. You know, it was a big difference. I understand. And I suppose now with the canteen being open at half seven, for me, all those years ago going in and having to be in for ten to eight, I would have had somewhere to go. It would have made such a difference to my college experience.
5: That was a very productive meeting. Has there been a timescale put on all these things to happen, Isabel?
13: Well, the park and ride anyway is starting when students return after Christmas is what MTU have told us. And then the other, the service will start again, obviously, when students return um, after in, in September. And then clamping is obviously currently suspended anyway. So that's done. Um the canteen, as I said, from today um, is open from half seven. And also the library now opens on Friday nights until 9.45 and Sundays from 10 to 4, which was never seen before in MTU. That's already happened as well. Then another mm. thing is um, a quiet space is being built um, in an IT corridor that was basically underutilised in MTU. It's called Oiskewin and this renovation will be opening for students in January 24 and will include a quiet space for students to relax, meet with friends and study. So that's January.
5: Um, I have one last 20. question for you Isabel. Yeah. When are you in the students union and all of your colleagues going to start running for the doll because lads... <laughs> <laughs>
13: oh I don't know I don't know now would I be able to do that
5: (laughs) (laughs) this I mean if all this works out as planned this will be a massive and as a former student union man in my own college time and that's not yesterday it was a great day's work from your students union Isabel
13: yeah, thank God. And, you know, students, they really had their voices heard and they really came out in their forces and filled out our survey, really gave their experiences. And that really helped to get the message across because only so much we can do. But we really rallied together and it was great that we were such a united force, all, all thousands of us.
5: We'll keep in touch and see if this stuff is implemented according to the plans. But good to talk to you, Isabel Cavanagh, president of the Students' Union at MTU Cork. They need to get into politics, these young people, because look at what they seem to have achieved with a couple of meetings and a walkout. Fair enough. 0818 96, 96
2: 96
3: Join the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Live.
3: With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you The Arts House.
2: Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM.
3: Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about
2: them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings 8 to
3: 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Perpings and Roosters.
5: Cork. 96 FM. If you're in Kent, Turk, and fancy a good cup of coffee, you could do worse than pop along to the Catch-Up Café. Paul Bourne, um, of course, colleague and friend and uh, Southern correspondent to the Virgin Media News and all those things, Paul Bourne was uh, tipping us towards this during the week. It's a fabulous idea, the Catch-Up Café, but the story behind this café is everywhere, but the story behind it is unique. Jack, you weren't always in a position to open and operate a cafe, let alone have your own coffee brand. A few years ago life was much different. Good morning.
14: Hiya BJ, how are you? Good. Um yeah, I suppose it was definitely different. Um I suppose I was an addiction for ten years from the age of thirteen. Wow. Um yeah, it's always it's a total different lifestyle to running a cafe and operating a business I suppose.
5: How did you manage to get yourself addicted at thirteen? What was the what was the what was the drug of choice?
14: Uh I suppose it started a cannabis. I suppose put friends out, tried it once with a couple of friends and I suppose that's where my journey began. I kind of was hooked from the start. Right. Um I know they say, you know, you get hooked from the start, but I did genuinely I loved it. and um, it was just I suppose a routine as well. It became a routine, it became normal life daily cannabis use. Um, I suppose daily cannabis use was for 10 years, no matter what cannabis was always the drug I had used, but I suppose it progressed then as I got older, um, started experimenting with other drugs, I suppose, ecstasy, MDMA, I suppose then it was Xanax, prescription painkillers, cocaine, and I suppose for the last couple of years, it was mainly cocaine, Xanax, cannabis, and I suppose the final six months is where it really got bad. I, I, I found crack cocaine, Um Yeah, I suppose it just brought me to my knees, you know. Um, It was, it was just horrific. Um, It all started fun and games, and people don't realise that. And that's where I always start when anyone asks about my story. I tell them, no, it was fantastic at the start. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone that hasn't tried drugs, I I say to them, it was fantastic, it was brilliant, till it grips a hold, yeah. And then you're using daily to survive. You're two, three days without sleep. You're using, you're begging, you're borrowing, you're stealing. Um, racking up debts. Um, did like, you ever but, get yeah. in trouble? Um, I was never really in trouble with the cards and stuff. Um, it was always just myself, my family, I suppose, that suffered from it, you know.
5: Mm. How did you fund your habits? Because they're, they're not cheap.
14: Um, I suppose when I was younger, lunch money, Christmas, birthdays, keeping money, selling my Playstations, any presents i guess. Sell them. my tellies everything. I suppose anything I could sell. Constantly, my parents. I suppose they didn't understand at the start where my money was going. Um, it was very secretive with me, obviously. Mm. Um, so any money I got was spent on it. And then I suppose when there's a group of lads smoking, you can all kind of chip in your own little bit of money to to, to fund this. Mm. Um, later on in the years, then I suppose I started working. Um, my father was able to get me work in construction. I stuck it at the, I, I, throughout my dictionary I kind of worked for most of us luckily well I say luckily but the money was wasted mm. um, I suppose I ended up in Dublin then uh, working in construction and the money was fantastic yeah um, and the
5: more money you got the
14: more the more I used yeah mm. I suppose but I was constantly in debt though no matter how much money I had the more money I had the more I used I was constantly in debt um, mm. I suppose 1000 euros a week in Dublin working get paid on a Friday it's gone on a Sunday um, yeah, I suppose my parents, I financially broke them. I couldn't even imagine what I have to add up to pay them back. But I suppose they don't want paying back. Seeing me clean is, is what, what's paid them back, I suppose.
5: Sure. Um, Bring me to that point. You said it was crack cocaine in the end. Like, that's an awful thing. That that destroys people. So, so, so what was the turning point, Jack?
11: Um,
14: I suppose the last couple of years of using, I wanted to get clean probably two years. Mm. Um... I'd say every day this is it I'm done I suppose like a broken record and it brought me to my knees I was isolated I suppose when I started at a younger age to go back I was it was socialising out using with friends and then I suppose it it got to being in my room on my own days on end using um, my mental health deteriorated I was using to survive and I suppose the more depressed I got about using the more I used it's a vicious circle you know it's a lonely
5: Um, vicious circle
14: it is, definitely, I suppose.
5: And you yeah, think like back, I, you said to me, and you, you wanted to stress it, at the start, it was great fun, but then when you're alone in your room, and it has become your life...
14: Yeah, it's your anxiety-ridden, you're paranoid, you're depressed, you're sad, and I suppose the more them emotions kick in with the mental health aspect of it, the more you use. Yes. Um a hamster on so Exactly. Yeah. Um it got to the point then I, I it was it I said to I said to my parents, I said, I'm either gonna overdose, commit suicide, or I have to get clean. Um that that was the only three options I felt in my head, but I didn't know how to get clean. I felt if I kept using I'd overdose. If I kept using I was gonna commit suicide, I so my mental health is here, so I suppose I went out one last hurrah, I told my parents, this is it. I went out in a bender for three days, I came home. Um, and I broke down, I had a complete breakdown in tears in my parents' arms. Um, I couldn't I couldn't continue the way I was living. I couldn't, I'd lost...
5: Were, were they of aware of how, how in-deep you were?
14: I suppose not from the start, but I suppose I didn't hide it. Once I got so bad, I didn't hide it. Mm, it was just. I, I I couldn't, you know, you could see it in physically, you could see it in me.
5: Because crack, crack cocaine makes you look sick.
14: It does. It, pale skin, everything. Um, yeah, but I was constantly vomiting. I was constantly sick. Nose bleeds, coughing up blood.
5: God. And I suppose your parents, when you had that moment with them, they well, they did, they they said like, "Let's let's fix this, son." Was that what they did?
14: Um. Yeah, I suppose they didn't know even where to turn to. I suppose they'd been hoping for that for years. Um, I had lost all other family, friends. I suppose I was really on my own, bar my parents. Um, even my father had started to give up. So I contacted Don O'Leary in the Life Centre. I was uh-huh. a past I was a past student at the Life Centre, but I stayed in contact with Don for years. He got me through my schooling, even through my addiction. And I just contacted him. He told me to come in. I used to call regularly every couple of weeks anyway to see him. And he put me on the right path, I suppose. I am mean, very grateful to Don for that may forever will be until he could get me in the position to the right people. He got me into the school, drug counsellor in the school, even though I wasn't a pupil. He worked with me, He put me in contact with Dave Bowman and Arbor House. Um, and I suppose that's all where my journey began. And yeah. um, I suppose Don knew all the right things to do and places to go. And Don said it to me for years. He wanted me to get clean, but there was nothing he could do until I wanted this, and he was delighted that I was able to go to him, I suppose. Mm,
5: how long are you clean now, fella? Uh,
14: two and a half years next week.
5: Well done, you. Well done, um, you. Congratulations.
14: So, yeah, I suppose that day I did 90 days in Fellowship House in Cork. Then I went in. It was, I suppose, a tell when you go in first, like, you're yeah. changing everything about your lifestyle, like learning to use a washing machine. Learning how to iron clothes, I suppose everything I'm learning. You know, I, I didn't really have a childhood due to my addiction. I didn't, you know, I didn't learn the basics. Yeah. So I was rebuilding my whole life. Um, I suppose I came out of treatment then in September of 21. Um, I didn't go back to work straight away. I took time for myself. I was going to a local cafe here in town, and it came up for sale. And I always had a passion for cooking due to the life center. Dan kind of got me on that path in the kitchen because I was never one to sit in a, a sit in a classroom. Yes. Um, so I threw the idea to my parents oh it's up for sale the lady's moving back to Turkey and they kind of laughed and they came back to me and said Are you really serious about it so we, we spoke we figured it out I was in no financial position I had the bank loans credit union loan that borrowed off from throughout my addiction so my parents funded they they gave me they believed in me enough I suppose that they were able to fund it my mother gave up her job as a home ec teacher um, to come in with me get it up and running. Um, but I suppose the concept of the cafe, what I really wanted was not an addiction cafe, but an open space. It's like, as I say to people, the name where I got it from was, it's not always about going to a meeting. Sometimes you just need a catch up and a coffee. Yeah. So that's where the name came from, Catch Up Cafe. Um, but that's that's what, like, my story is addiction. My story is recovery, but I wanted to be an open space for everyone with mental health. I want people to talk about every problem they have. I want it to be, you know, a community hub, not just an addiction space, you know what I mean, in a recovery space. Mm-hmm. I want this mm-hmm. to be an open hub for anyone to talk. I suppose a I lonely old man at home on his own to come down and have a cup of tea and have a chat with the person next to him. I want everyone to be able to feel comfortable to talk about anything.
8: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. It's it's a
5: fantastic concept. I'm looking at pictures of it, it looks great. Now, your own coffee brand? I mean, come here.
14: Yeah, you know, it all seems seem so surreal. Um, I suppose we were doing tastings with all different companies once we kind of got settled in. We had to find the own coffee we wanted. Um, And I suppose we did so many different tastings and we met the lads in Soma and they offered to roast our own special blend to what we wanted, Um, flavour notes we wanted and stuff. Mm. So we we went with it. Um, But then again, I wanted it to be a talking point. I just didn't want this to be our normal coffee brand. I wanted this to someone to see the label and go to recovery blend one day at a time and think about it and go Jesus I want to be on someone's counter in their kitchen and a friend come in and go oh, what's that and bring up the conversation to get rid of the stigma of addiction mental health it's not like you know people with mental health have taken one day at a time yeah. the recovery blend I wanted to have the whole concept to get people talking yeah. um, and uh, just How, how you it win. down
5: to because um, I, I know this Jack because one or two friends of mine have gone through recovery over the years and you drink rather a lot of coffee when you're recovering. You develop a taste for good coffee, do you?
14: You, you? you know what? I think you kind of find something to interest you yeah, and keep you busy. And I suppose coffee, there's so much to it. Yeah. I suppose you've got latte art and everything to fascinate you. I spend hours on YouTube. Like, they laugh at me looking at all these. I found it like there's a whole new world to coffee. There's coffee world championships. and coffee, coffee latte art. Yeah, it's a whole new world. Um.
5: It's, well, it's crazy. It's a whole new beginning for you. And it's you're you're launching it, you've a you've a launch coming seven o'clock at the cafe in Cantork. When is it? This Friday?
14: Tomorrow, yeah. This Friday. Um yeah, it's tomorrow in Cantork. Everyone's welcome to come down, taste the coffee, mingle, meet people in the community. I suppose the community's been great to us here as well. Like I'm from Cove originally. Yeah. Um people here have just been fantastic hearing the story, of regular customers that have become friends now. Yeah. Um, Even if they're busy, they pop in for a hello when they're passing. You know what I mean? It's just been fantastic. Even down to business people in the town... That have helped me, as I suppose, a recovering addict, a young person that doesn't understand it's, business. And it's, it's um, this been,
5: is just—it's just a wonderful, wonderful, positive story. One last coffee question for you, Jack: Is it—is it beans or does it ground? Can you put it into a plunger?
14: I have both. I have—I have the bean and I have ground.
5: Oh, I'd be, be looking plunger. for a bag of that for my plunger.
14: <laughs> I said i will be sending a bag down to you, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so we have it on sale in the shop and stuff now, and hopefully we'll progress to an online store. And I suppose just fantastic. to make awareness and stuff.
5: You remind me of Del Boy, Del Boy Trotter, you know. This time next year we'll be millionaires.
14: Yeah, that's the running joke, yeah.
5: <laughs> Jack, congratulations to you, fella. Thanks very much. It's a really wonderful, it. wonderful story. And may I compliment you on how well you tell it?
14: Look, that that's my whole thing, I suppose. Even if I help one person, me speaking up, hopefully, I, I watched a guy on Facebook for a long time speaking about a Graham McCormack. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, that's where I kind of base my attitude of talking about it. He's very open about it, his mental health. He's very open about his addiction. And that's what I want to be because he influenced me, I suppose, as I was getting clean watching his journey. It's just, I suppose, I'd like now to be able to do the same as him. And if there's two of us, if someone else is able to talk about it, you know what I mean, and make awareness and make it a normal conversation. Not well, you're, thing. you're
5: making a fantastic start. And one last mention. You mentioned him earlier on. Dear friend of mine, and I know a dear friend of yours he finished up in the Life Centre at the Jazz Weekend and I think yeah. you joined join me in sending our best regards to the wonderful Don O'Leary
14: Definitely he's He's been a, in my life now I'd say, what, 11 years um, Don stuck through me taking Tim, he always believed in me and to this day he still does we still have chats on Good. the phone Good. Um, Yeah, Don's been a saving grace in my life There
5: you go, there you go Thank you very much, Jack, from the Ketchup Cafe in Kantork. <laughs> like, isn't that just. That story put a smile on a stone. Let's...
3: Join the conversation.
2: This is the opinion line. With Hidden
3: Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox 96 FM. The
2: minds are live. Oh, hello.
3: Join the conversation Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396
2: 96
3: 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Watch 96
5: FM I Told you about this uh, this morning just after 9 This new thing that they've started at Pizza Hut in Hong Kong it's it's a restaurant called Sir Wong Fun, which itself would have you asking a lot of questions about what that actually means, but what would you would you eat snake on a pizza i they say that you should do something every day that scares you. I am now terrified because in order to discuss snake meat on pizzas, folks <laughs> is over there, the rain is over there. And Ross is in the middle oh, I have left no, this crowd What would, would, would scare you about the three of us? What would scare about the three of you? Ah jeez uh, Have you Okay, Snake snake on a Pizza We're looking to know What beats Snake on a Pizza
15: That's a Samuel a L. Jackson movie, isn't it?
5: No, that's Snake on a, a Snake on, oh, okay. <laughs> on a Plane I thought
15: it was a Snake <laughs> on a Plane Pizza Sorry, I'm confused
5: Pineapple on a Pizza Was usually as far as most people would go Snake on a Pizza You're right. Your thoughts, Ross Brown? Chalk it down
15: Really? Oh yeah, why not? Yeah, be adventurous snake meat yeah snake meat sure aren't they lean and muscular and vascular and long and
5: chunky and terrifying we're still talking about snakes aren't we <laughs> stop uh, and terrifying <laughs> Lorraine snake on a pizza
16: I feel like I'd have to see it first but in theory I think yes I think i will give it a go definitely but I think I'd like to see it first and see how it looks first because I'm all about the visuals yeah mm. yeah
8: <laughs> yeah, if it they was, if it was look, strips of snake, I yeah, think that course. might put me off slightly, to be honest. Strips of snake? Yeah, you know, if they like cut it in like the same shape the snake is and then just like put it on. Yeah. Like, Ooh, is I this
16: skin this. on it?
8: That's a good question. It's not covered in the article, though, so yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I think you have to skin it.
5: You'd have yeah, to skin it, yeah, because it's scaly. They shred it, actually. It's shredded.
16: Oh yeah, oh, oh, shredded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand. Pj, I teach you shredded. Lash it on. Lash, it on, sh- Lash it on. Then if it's shredded, yeah, yeah. no nobody. Anything shredded.
15: Yeah, but a PJ Coogan shredded will be grand, but what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the snakes I only worry about now is the wedges.
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh so I knew it. Oh, coming. That that coming. <laughs> coming. <laughs> right. Well, across
5: the, across the trip. Can you beat snakes? You, I know, folks, you've half the world traveled and then back.
8: Yeah, I went away for a four week holiday and came back three years later a few years back and I think one of them one of the the, the mother started sweating. Why did you do listening. that they jailed you for three years? Yeah, we won't say. Uh, no <laughs> I just had a tiny backpack though, that's the only thing. Uh, <laughs> one of the standard things that I ate uh, while I was away was we did uh couch surfing while we were away, so you stay with locals and so they put you up and they kinda show you all the, the, the bits and pieces you need to see of their their town. And um, one guy brought us four or uh, it was cow brain and Ugh. cow tongue tacos. Oh, now, tacos, obviously, huge in Mexico. They mm-hmm. basically like national dish, I would say. Uh, but these were interesting. The cow brain thing was fine, it was just a bit slimy. Did you know before you had a bite taken out of it? No, so he was like, will I get you a delicacy that only locals really order? No one else would go in there ordering this. And we said, yeah. So he brought down the tray and he had three tacos. One for him, uh, one for the person that was with me and one for me. And he said, have a bite there and I'll tell you what it is after. So we had a bite. And the cow brain one was quite slimy. So that was a bit off-putting. Does it look like brain? Um... Yeah, I su- not, Yeah, it's it's hard to... How would uh, you kind of know, Lorraine? I mean, you go around looking at cow's brains. Uh,
16: you'd, you'd, you'd have an idea of what a brain looks like. It's
8: kind of like... It yeah. was like a misty jelly looking thing. Mm. I'll put it that way. I've like. had cow's brains, but
15: it was just... One was boiled and the other was pan-fried and they both looked like a brain on uh, a plate. Yeah. No. What's
16: the next? And That's it was, a hard it was, it was, it was
15: almost like a kind of a moosey jelly texture, but then every so often there'd be like a crunchy bit in the middle. Like a, like a biscuit almost, where did you... <laughs> and super and very oh, my very salty. Oh, Do you know when you eat really clacky cheese and there's that almost like biscuity?
5: It's yeah. so
8: it's like white. Cartilage or something was it? I don't know what it was. it where was. probably,
5: you, it was probably get... a
15: dream I bit into or something. What, what
5: part of the world did you get that in, books? Uh, Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Where
15: did you get Spain? S- Spain. Yeah, Los Alcáceres in Spain in a Spanish restaurant.
5: Good lord! Yeah, I, never have uh, it there. Lorraine, can you beat any of this?
16: I did have fish head soup. Before Fish head soup. Yeah. I used to work in a Chinese restaurant and the owners were from China and the food that we consider to be Chinese food is not at all traditional at all. And one of the things that they would go absolutely crazy for was fish head soup. So once a week, somebody would deliver fish in and they would just... Cut off the heads and then whiz it up in a blender and serve it cold as well. Gazpacho. And sometimes
0: fish head
5: gazpacho. They yep. literally put the fish heads into a blender. Just
16: the heads into a blender. And sometimes. And eyes. Eyes, everything.
5: Mouth. Mouth. Fin. Full head.
16: Complete head. Complete. <laughs> yep. Whiz it up.
15: That's probably the best blender I've heard in about six that months, is I'd a say. a great blender. That's great right blender. unbelievable. Say that, yeah. His, his radiator is terrible, but his blender is brilliant. <laughs>
16: serving up cold in a bowl, and sometimes it wasn't entirely blended. Like oh. so sometimes there'd be little eyes looking up at you and lenses, and you uh, eat they it cold. Contacts. And they loved
5: it. They I loved it. Was going it. to say that they didn't even take the eyes out. No,
16: no. And this is a delicacy. I mean, that once a week they would go crazy inside in the restaurant for it because the fish were coming in and it was fish head soup time. I tried it, and it's exactly what you would imagine. Vile. It's disgusting. So
5: when you're having your whatever fish dish is on the actual menu.
8: They're in the back noshing on the heads. Yeah, nice. We're yeah. out the front having a three and one. <laughs> and in the but back.
16: apparently the amount of nutrients it's apparently so so good for you. Full of omega threes and full yeah. of. Uh,
8: I'm sure it is. Yeah,
16: doesn't but, convince me though. No, me neither. Me now neither. I would say
8: I've been to Southeast Asia and those parts as well, and over there they literally have no waste. So everything, if they're making like a chicken broth kind of soup every part of the chicken goes into that pot so you could be eating this kind of chicken broth away with your rice on the side and then out of nowhere just kind of like floats to the top it'll be a chicken leg mm.
5: ah, surely oh. they clip off the little bit at the end no the feet no, get thrown in and everything everything
8: sure. goes in and to them that's like a delicacy and I think even fish eyes in certain parts of the world is like the best part it of is, the dish yep. Yeah, I think there's, like, some, like, maybe good luck thing or something to it, mm-hmm. or it gives you, like, knowledge or something, but when you bite into a fisheye, it does pop and it does and pop, and a little yeah. bit
16: of juice comes
5: out. Oh, dear me.
16: Do you know what it felt like, actually, when I was having that? It, it felt like a bush tucker trial <laughs> on yeah. and I'm a Celebrity. It's, it's one of those kind of vibes.
5: Mm-hmm. You've yeah. tried some more of that bush tucker stuff for us, have
15: you? I've had live crickets and live mealworms as where, part bo- of... Where? It was a bush tucker thing. It was at some event that I was doing, and they had, like, a stand, and they were getting people to do certain things, and... I wasn't even doing the thing I was just like give us a taste of them because there the people Ross re- is
16: just hungry I was just hungry <laughs> I was
15: like the other people were eating them as a challenge but I was like are, they, they were like they're kind of like chicken and tuna they kind of taste like and were like, they? yeah, yeah they were they? lovely mealworms were lovely See, so texture. and they were live like yeah
5: oh.
16: they were so hopping around
15: well, they wouldn't they wouldn't last long like
5: they wriggled and jiggled and tickled and said you like
15: yeah yeah then I had to swallow a mouse to catch that <laughs> and a cat and a dog and then like, Emer, then after that she was like I'll sort them all out lads <laughs> but the thing is we talk about other countries yeah. as if other countries are mad the way they, they have their food Look, go down to the English market and have tripe and jishine
16: yeah, yeah. yeah.
15: tripe and too, my yeah. dad was once buying tripe and jishine, right years ago and there was an old woman serving it and it was on like a kind of a stainless steel kind of like trough almost like a urinal right very attractive and it was to drain <laughs> any of the juices that were coming off it and as you, one was bagging it up She was quite elderly. She was leaning over it and a big big, massive drool fell into the bag as she was doing it. And we walked out my dad paid and I went, Dad dumped that. She was like, what? I was like, I say half your one fell out there into the bag. And he was like, it's as grand as boil off.
12: I was like, oh "Oh
5: my God. (laughs) I thought you were going to say someone was asking for the juice that was dripping down. No,
15: no, no. No, you will not be providing this. Right.
5: Yeah, built in and everything. And of course, yeah, you're right. Skirts. I mean, skirts and kidneys, like yeah, mm.
15: bodice and offal all that kind of stuff. As my dad says, it all goes out the same hole at the end.
16: <laughs> Wonder <laughs> about your dad, actually. <laughs>
5: I, I, I had, um, I had goats. I had goats like a sheep, sure Yeah, it's not. It's tougher. Much tougher. Yeah. I had goat. I was in Lebanon. Did you have to kill it? Like someone killed it for me. Thank you. <laughs> I was. I was in Lebanon, and we were up there. There was this camp where the, all of the various battalions had a little. In the early days of food trucks, like in the nineties, they almost had food truck of their own, their own little canteen, their own. And I went to the Nigerian, the Nibat mm-hmm. for lunch, and we had goat, goat curry, goat oh, curry. Oh,
16: Gorgeous. nice! Yeah.
5: And then I was chatting to one of the soldiers, and we were having this. I said, "This is really nice." She said, "Yeah, but look around you." Do you see any cats? Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. Hey, now, there's the one thing. I would draw the line. I would, I think, I might draw the line at fish head soup. But I'd certainly eat the, the snake meat. Yeah. yeah. I have ago. eaten crocodile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have eaten kangaroo. Kangaroo's lovely. That's meant to be
16: really nice. Really, really tender. Eaten, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I
5: would draw the line at cats or dogs.
16: Yeah, oh, absolutely not. Couldn't go there. No, 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 no. Is that no.
5: because you're the dog lover or cat lover? Yeah.
16: Yeah. yeah.
15: What yeah. Would you, Ross? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over the obvious joke. Um, no. I yeah, if if it has a cute face, I would say no. That's kind of my rule. If it has a cute face, it's the only reason I haven't eaten Marty Morrissey up to this date.
8: <laughs> <laughs> He's safe, folks. Uh, I would definitely not eat uh, cats or dogs. Um, definitely. Uh, dog fan over mm-hmm. a cat but I still yeah. wouldn't eat them mm.
5: but I would be up
8: for trying you the You wouldn't be trying the, the, the
5: old kitty con carne
8: no? No <laughs> good. even though there has been times where I've gotten an old uh, portion of chicken balls with my sweet and sour and I'm kind of thinking is this Tibbles the cat? <laughs> <laughs> it could
16: be Not in the restaurant I worked in I'll tell you that sure, Look
8: we okay. were all eating horse about 10 years ago there by accident <laughs>
5: yeah, well, They're blending the fish heads and the back.
16: Yeah, yeah. I did eat moose once before as well. I lived in Sweden a good few years ago and I had moose. But it was actually really sad how it happened because we went to visit a moose park. So the moose is like the national animal of Sweden. It's on yeah. all of their memorabilia and yeah. postcards and all the rest of it. So we went to a moose park and you get taken around all these different areas. You get to feed the baby moose and you get to pet them and look at the mammy moose and the daddy moose. And then you get to the end of the track and you start to see a little bit of smoke in the air and you go, what is that smell? It's like barley. <laughs> barbecue, and then you're eating moose, right beside the baby moose, <laughs> oh. What I will say it's delicious. Yeah. It is delicious. Moose I, I love rabbit. I oh, I've never had rabbit I don't think actually. I've
8: never had rabbits, no. No. Rabbits
5: gorgeous. Yeah. No. There was a movie called Watership Down, Yeah, oh, yeah. about rabbits, I remember, sorry, I was on my honeymoon, it nearly, nearly ended up in divorce, I had rabbit on a pizza. You can have rabbit on a pizza in Malta, so okay. they put rabbit meat on a pizza. And my wife is sitting next to me. We're not married four days goes. She's sitting there singing the song from Watership <laughs> Down right, to try and poke me off. And I goes, hang on, Watership Down, you've read the book, you've seen the movie, now eat the cat.
12: Yeah. Oh. Oh.
15: Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere in Malta. Rabbit is rampant over there.
5: Yeah, and, and they grow it for it. Like when you go in the back, and you, get, you, get chicken, you get chicken wings in the pub downtown. You mm-hmm. can get barbecued rabbit as a snack yeah. in any pub in Malta they, they breed them for eating oh my god yeah. and it's lovely too ok anything you wouldn't touch other than cats and dogs Southsiders yeah. so uh.
8: <laughs>
16: you asked PJ you asked <laughs> oh you left yourself open I should know better
8: I? <laughs> uh, when I was in Guatemala they eat a lot of guinea pig but they put the entire thing cooked on a <sighs> stick
12: oh yeah, yeah ok
8: so, and then you kind of they oh, put it in the middle fart. of the table and everyone just picks from it uh, that's one thing I didn't uh, go near, and that I think it was I think it was a guinea pig. But one of them I remember looking at its face, and it, you could just see it still had its teeth oh, intact. Oh
5: no!
8: <laughs> and I was like, no thanks. But it did look very crispy. I have to say, mm. I'm sure it would. Yeah, if you cook anything enough, I mean, you eat anything. Four,
5: you know,
8: <laughs> yeah. they surely skinned it first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was skinned. Yeah, but they left like you're, you're looking back at it, and it's looking back at you.
16: Oh yeah.
5: no!
8: I wouldn't eat a spider. That's the only thing I wouldn't eat. That I have. No.
16: Is there nothing you have in Toronto? A
8: uh, tarantula. Uh, well, I don't know if it was a tarantula, but it was a big spider uh, in Thailand. You can buy them on the street as little snacks. Mm-hmm. And I had a little nibble off on the legs, but it still had like the kind of bristly hairs on it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, recommend it. No.
5: no. I think, to be fair, after this discussion, a bit of shredded snake on a pizza is... Um, <laughs>
16: It sounds quite safe, though, doesn't Yeah. It? It yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, lads. I see
5: <laughs> Rain and Ross in the morning, back with books in the morning, just after six, and God knows what they will um, bring to the table with them. Do you want to hear me blender again?
2: Go on, go on. Mm. Join
3: the conversation.
2: This is the Opinion Live.
3: With Hidden Hearing changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. 96F. Qu-
5: um, yeah, there's anything strange or starting or wild or wonderful or weird or just plain disgusting <laughs> that you've eaten somewhere else in the world or even here in Cork. I mean, Lorraine's fish head soup was in Cork. Oh, oh, and I like fish, like. 83 396 96 Or uh, send us a voice note if you want to or a text or a WhatsApp. 83 396 96, 96. We actually put a story into a voice note, make it even more colourful for us. There's some good ones coming in. I do not believe that, Deirdre. You did not, you do not have that for your tea in Christmas Day. Your, your husband's family does not. No. Christmas, no. Turkey sandwiches, yes. But that, no. Come back to it in a bit. 0818969696. St- staying with food, something a lot less adventurous, An old McDonald's for the tea. Uh, And what happened, Teresa? Good morning.
4: Good morning.
5: You ordered some food.
4: I did. From McDonald's last night. Okay. Well, not last night, yesterday evening. I ordered 25. Right. And they came to me at 20 past five. Okay. And when they came, the drinks were all leaking right through the bag. That was the Coke. And then he kept saying to me, Take that, take that I was I can't take that, I was bleaking all over my floor. So I gave it back to him and I said, I can't take that and he told me he'd bring bring me back the drinks again. He was a delivery guy only and never came back to me.
5: Was he in a car or in a bike or what?
4: No a, a bike. A bike. Right. So um he took them back and that was grand. Then the chips were soaking wet, the top was dried, they the bottom was wet and the wrong burger they gave my other child. Five is six, that's all they are. Five is six and a half.
12: Right.
4: Nice. And um, that was wrong. So I rang them back and they wouldn't refund my money and they wouldn't bring out any other food to me. Nice. So when I rang them, they just kept passing me on to somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. And I paid 35 euros and 12 cents for it. The, the kids had no food. They were crying all day, all evening. So, when I rang them back, they wouldn't have me, they told me to go on to a nap in McDonald's app. I got on to them and they gave me a message back saying, um, hold on, in, sorry, we can't offer you a conversation. Why not? And they didn't give me an explanation, that's all they said. Right. And the kids were crying over their chips and their own food. Arrived,
5: and- it arrived and you couldn't eat it. <coughs> it was the, the, yeah.
4: the drinks were all wrong, they leaked all over outside my front door and then the chips were wet and cold and they couldn't eat it. and they were crying. I mean, they're only all, they're all children. What age are they? Yeah, and they wouldn't fund me and then this girl to my last night, I can't name her name, as you know, and she told me that I was harassing them. I told her, I had two crying kids, I told her, I was getting on to you and would she come on the phone to you and she said, oh yeah, she goes, what satisfaction would you get from that? And I said, it's not fair, I said, we're parents, we're young children because a child, child, they love their McDonald's foods.
5: Of course, they do. Yeah, every yeah, I, they do every I, time. I, I, I like a piece of time. McDonald's myself I, I, now and again.
4: I like so it so myself yeah. sometimes, but um, no, they would not refund me. And then she told me then that um,
5: did you try getting onto the delivery service because um, we assume that they put the food properly cooked and properly packed into the delivery?
4: And they were blaming the delivery guy, and I said, no, you can't blame him. If he, he prepared the food. I said she took 35 euros and 12 cent off of me I said but no, fi- no food for the children but they were blaming the delivery driver because he don't prepare it so I go, he prepare it yeah. so she she, did she last night tell me I was harassing her or harassing the phone, whatever I mean, I had two crying kids they had no food, no yeah. drinks no nothing then she told me last night um, bring him into the branch she say said which branch
5: well, let's, I not, let's branch. not mention any branch here now for sure, yeah
4: no, no, but she didn't tell me which branch. I mean, you can't just walk into Macdonald and say, I've got no drinks, the wrong food, and cold chips. I mean, you can't do that, like. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they, they were good enough to take my money and leave me with two grandchildren, and they wouldn't have fund me on nothing.
5: Yeah, yeah, it certainly wasn't up to scratch. You couldn't eat it when you got it, and the coke or whatever it was had spilled, and it was cold, and no, and that, that's not good enough, and they should just refund you, you would think. Teresa, thank you for that. We're not naming the branch, to be fair, because the staff in there are probably swamped as it is. But does this happen a lot for you? Not just with McDonald's. I I, I don't like using delivery services um, because I don't like the terms and conditions of the people doing the delivery. Most of the pay is shocking. And there was a prime time thing a few weeks ago or a few months ago on their conditions of work. And I would rather get into my car and drive down and collect my own food rather than have some poor devil working for half-nothing, bringing it up to me. Um, and I guess, look, if, if I did that, if everybody did that, they wouldn't even have a job at all. But I, I, I do get. But when it arrives and it's not presentable and it's not edible... Who's your beef with? Is your beef with the restaurant? Or the cafe? Or whatever? Or is your beef with the delivery company? Anyone else come across that? Woman is right. Three times last year I got happy meals for the kids and a cheeseburger for myself. On all three occasions there was no cheeseburger for me. I had to sit there watching the kids eat. I guess it's human error as they're so busy. But it's very annoying when it happens. Why not learn a lesson from this, says John. Don't order via takeaway on a wet day. Open the oven. Put on your own chips and burgers. It's not McDonald's though, John, is it? It's not the same as McDonald's. This happened to me before. Wrong order. I ate it, but it was very annoying, says Oren. Yeah, the one thing I hate, and again, I don't like delivery services, but I've used them on occasion. And I'd always tip the guy when he comes to the door as well. Just... He might have got tuppence for bringing it up the the hill to me, but I'd rather he went away with a a couple of quid in his pocket. That was for him and him alone. But one thing I hate is when you order a Chinese and it comes in delivery, can they not tell the difference between boiled rice and fried rice? I would eat boiled rice until it's coming out me ears. I cannot stand fried rice. And the number of times they get it wrong is just ridiculous. But have you had trouble with the McDonald's? I, I've never used McDonald's delivery. I, I go to the drive through It's only down the road. Anyone else come across that? 083-396-9696. 96 96. Right, I'm going to stay with the phone lines. Um, I've come to something. I saw the picture. You might have seen it on cork bio, and it turned up on social media. A picture of a poor little lurcher. A lurcher puppy only a baby and um, they've called her bones down in uh, Mahan at the CSPCA I, I thought it was bones because all that was left to her at that stage was skin and bone but it was more a, a Halloween theme but uh, Vincent Cashman joins me, Vincent, they she's doing well, she's doing well but she was starved when you got her good morning
17: good morning Peter, Um, yes she was she um. Was she's back up at normal weight now mm. she still has a long way to go but um, when we got her she was as as I said she was skin and bone um, I mean what's worse is some, somebody was staring at that dog for potentially months to see the dog get that bad Yeah, and had ignored it and yeah. then it was picked up as a stray Yeah it didn't get in that condition overnight No, no it didn't No <laughs>
5: Neglected, not properly fed, not properly looked after.
17: Mm. I mean, some of it. No, she was she was covered in um, she was in fleas and there was mange. I mean, those, those treatments are relatively cheap. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't take a whole lot to put this this poor dog right. You know.
5: Yeah, she was found wandering. She'd actually collapsed, had she?
17: She had. Uh, I mean she was she was dumped. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then that's when we got to call to go and pick her up.
5: Yeah. Now, there's been yeah. a big rally rally by the community to help her, cover vets bills and stuff like that.
17: Um, absolutely massive. We, uh, we it, it, it's, it, it never ceases to surprise us, really, or, or amaze us, but the minute we put out a plea for for literally anything, we put out one there now in the last couple of weeks for puppy food, uh, because we had another litter of pups that were dumped, and um, people at Cork and, and Beyond rallied. And uh, I think we're actually still getting deliveries of food. Wow. Would you be the postman is dropping stuff, people are ordering it online, um, they're making their donations as usual. Um, but it, the, the, the response has been phenomenal, to be quite honest. There's a gorgeous
5: video on your page of herself and her, her new friend, Riff Raff.
17: Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it goes to show you with a, with a couple of weeks of, of good diet and being looked after. How fast they can recover. Yeah, which is fantastic. um Which is, it, she, she's great, you know. She's, when she's out and about, when she's inside in her kennel, all she wants to do is sleep. Yeah. Which is typical lurcher. But uh, when she's out and about, she's, uh, She's she's turned definitely. She's definitely turned a corner. So there's a bit, a bit
5: of a road to go, but she's she's on the mend. She's looking for a forever home as well, I suppose down down the road. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, you, say, can we stay with dogs for a minute, Vincent? I know you've an interesting job out of the lock at the moment, if your county coming to your point. Um, we had the, It's the ongoing discussion, Vincent, and and you came to mind while we were having it. We had another chat the other day about restricted breeds and as you may have read in the news or seen the news, Heather Humphreys, the minister, is bringing in some changes to the law with regard to the restricted breeds and uh, you know the XL bully has been banned now in the UK. We had that insistence over the last few days again from handlers, breeders, groomers, who come back to this mantra, and I don't know whether they're right or wrong, there's no such thing as a bad or dangerous dog, there's no such thing as a naturally aggressive dog. It's all about the training. It's all about the handling. It's all about the owner. Where you, you're working with dogs all your life, Vincent?
17: Where do you stand on that? Um, there has been many, many cases of dogs who have shown absolutely no signs of aggression, none, and they're they just turn. They could be a reaction to a smell, a noise, um, somebody calling to the house, and they can react very, very badly. Mm. Um, the, the problem with them is it's there. There is dogs, and if they do get spooked like that, which can come out of nowhere, they have the potential to do some very, very serious damage. Mm. And any groomer out there would tell you probably the same thing because they've been bitten by dogs uh it, like you'll have the labrador has bitten more people than than anything else right yeah. statistics are sure but the bite of a labrador would be nothing compared to the bite of an xl bully a belgian malinois something like that it would be nothing compared to it the potential for very very serious damage is with those larger breeds
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would you, do you agree with the restriction we don't we we Additional restrictions on things like you—you you were talking to me about Malinois before. That, that's an army. That's a police dog. Why would you want it as a pet?
17: It, it, it baffles me. The very—the German Shepherd is on the restricted breeds list. Mm. So it comes with the, the restrictions thereof, right? You must have a muzzle, um, uh, ID tags. Must be walked by someone over the age of sixteen. And then these dogs are classed pretty much the same as your your Jack Russell your Labradoodle your Labrador mm-hmm. and in the wrong hands they are very very serious dogs yeah very very serious dogs they are fo- give me a German Shepherd any day of the week
12: mm-hmm.
17: yeah. Belgian Malinois is a, is a grand dog but it needs to be walked. they're quite intelligent they're very very able to work things out but if you're if you're living inside in the city for argument's sake what do what, you have to ask yourself the question what do you want it for yeah and they're avoiding the restricted breeds list by getting these dogs. But in my own opinion, what we've seen of Belgian Malinois, what we've seen of the damage that these dogs can do, it is only a matter of time before we're talking on your show about somebody that's after getting killed by one. That's how bad these dogs are.
5: And you work with dogs every day of the week, Vincent. And, and I appreciate, every day of the week. I, I appreciate your, 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 your candour because there is certainly among... If you want the training community, the behaviour community, there is this belief that there should be no need for a restricted list.
17: It, they, they, probably not. If we up- adopted the same, we'll say, situations or training that they have in the, in the rest of Europe. If mm-hmm. you want a dog that's considered, we'll say, if the restricted breed was to go, but that we say we had breeds that needed extra care or needed extra handling, that PJ Coogan, who wants to get a Belgian Malinois, has to pass a course stating that he can handle a Belgian Malinois. Yeah. That he can work with them, that he's more than capable of doing it.
5: And, and that he can, up can, the and that can control
17: it. And that, more importantly, you can control it. We, you see people every day of the week, and it's with every dog, and it's down to training. And the dog is two yards, three yards, four yards in front of the person that's walking the dog. Dogs should be walking to heel. And you're getting these breeds that if the dog decides to pull or run, the handler has no chance of controlling it. So you have to ask yourself the question, are you going to be able to control this dog that you're, 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 you're mad about? If you can't, then you shouldn't have it. Hmm. The license fee for having one of these breeds should be trebled, if not quadrupled. Mm-hmm. We have one of the cheapest licensing systems in Ireland, uh, in, in Europe in Ireland, um, it should be increased if you want to have one of these dogs because again then if you're going to get one of them you have to have a purpose for it they're not pets
5: now there's the and thing we- there's- they're not pets I have had call after call message after message I have a staffie I have a bully and they're just a big sweetheart
17: and they generally are they generally are we're seeing very very few Staffy Terriers coming into us at the moment because the XL bully has taken over but the likes of um, Staffies, they're all they're all lovely dogs. I'm a big fan of the Staffordshire Tower. A Beautiful dog, they're a
5: gorgeous dog. Puppies they're, are they're the puppies dog. are delightful,
17: and they're they're fantastic pets inside in your home until something goes wrong. There, there's been loads of picture. There was a, a, unfortunately a child in the UK last year. Uh, they were all newborn, was a five days old, I think. Staffordshire up on top of the bed, the baby sneezed. all the baby did was sneeze the dog got a fright wasn't used to it and the dog latched onto the baby's head and unfortunately the baby perished right so the potential for damage is always there should the parents have put the dog up there no they shouldn't
12: yeah
17: no they shouldn't but you can't just because the dog or people going over and they're getting they're leaving their dog lick their baby's face and stuff like that you don't know if the dog reacts badly yeah. You you don't want that on your conscience afterwards, you know.
5: Yeah, I get your point. I get your point. Consider a very, why, why would you want one of these dogs as a pet? Come back lastly to a job that you have down at the lock. Now, those beautiful black swans, you had to take one of them in a while back.
17: We did. She was limping badly. So um, it was actually a person who frequents, she, the, the, the swan would be used to her all the time. And she was actually she managed to catch the swan, bring it over to ourselves. Uh, we've got her uh, got her x-rayed, and she's been on meds for the last couple of weeks, which she is now finished. But um, she has arthritis in one of her legs, and it's it's not going to go away. It's mm. like anybody with arthritis, human yeah. or dog or anything like that. So it's not going to go away. So we we're putting her back out onto the lock because the. Pressure on the leg will be more if she's standing on harder ground. Of so while she's out in the lock, she has the the expenses four acres of water, and uh, her feet won't have to touch the ground unless she wants to come out. So um, she's in, in very good fettle. She's looking forward to getting back out onto the lock, and um, but she will have she will have a limp that will be more noticeable sometimes. We we'll see her more, you know. So she's she's. Um, but she's looking forward, I'd say, to going back onto and it. Um, but
5: yeah, it and aren't good. we just very briefly, lastly, Vincent? Aren't we so gifted, so blessed with the lock right there in the middle of, of our city?
17: Yes, it's 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 a fantastic amenity. Um, it's very well looked after by City Hall, um, and we're actually out now trying to bring in the we're um, carried out a turtle trapping program there as well over the summer. Turtle the summer. trapping. Turtle trapping, yeah. Go on. I'm intrigued. Turtles in the there lock? There is. There's turtles in the lock. Now, there's turtles, unfortunately, after turning up. Um, well, they're in the Atl- Atlantic Pond as well. Uh, they're in Castle Lake and Carry Tool. Um, they've turned up in, in, in a good number of places. But there's, there's a, we'll say, a sizable. We've counted, I think, seven or eight. That's what we've seen Um Yellow-bellied or uh, radiated sliders in the in the lock, but they're classed as an invasive species, so they have to be taken out. Clearly, someone bought them as little pets and then decided they're getting a yep. bit hungry. And and they're they're actually they're rather smelly to keep. <laughs> so as they start growing, you need proper filtration and proper tanks. And but when they went to when they had because it's illegal to buy them now, it's illegal to transport them as well. Um if, when they were bought, they're grand when they're only the size of maybe just just above a two euro coin. Um but as they start getting bigger, they start getting smellier. Mm. So you'd know if there was a terraform inside and house. So and then they started getting dumped. Yeah. Um in and the people lock. got tired of them as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, and they're in the lock. So we have to just um formulate a couple of different ways of trying to trap them. And, and get them out and try and get them you can rehome them on license mm. but um, where they go they just wherever they go they have to finish their time they can't be rehomed after that they have to just finish off their, their day is naturally with, with an owner that's they can't be moved
5: alright alright listen I'll leave it there Vincent thank you very much I didn't realise that turtles in the lock. Thanks, Vincent. And there you have Vincent's take on the on the whole uh, dog discussion. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And best of luck to when she finds her forever home. To Bones, have a look at the Cspca's Facebook page. There's wonderful videos there. She's a gorgeous thing,
2: gorgeous creature. <laughs>
3: Join
2: the conversation This is the Opinion Live
3: With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health For over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie A
5: lot of talk about food this morning And some of the strange things That you will or you won't eat And I'm probably going to keep that list Until uh, tomorrow Although, yeah, Christmas evening, Christmas Day sandwiches. Deirdre says, in my husband's family, we have ox tongue and coleslaw. Sam- oh, sweet as Lord. <laughs> when you marry into the family, you're not told what it is until you taste it. And then it's lovely. I'm sure it is, but I would be sticking with my turkey and ham sandwiches of an evening. I get to the rest of them tomorrow. Sprouts on a pizza is another one that I wouldn't really contemplate. However, staying with matters food <laughs> old food uh, there's even people some people do actually want to want to take these and eat them aaron wolf down at lodged Rees you found a packet of sam spud's smoky bacon from 1989 good morning
18: Hi PJ how are you doing that's right yeah shoved behind a radiator on the school stage so an area of the school which is quite tucked away quite dark um uh, one of the teachers discovered a packet of sam smuds and it's been there yeah the, the, the best before was february 1989 we've put it up on facebook just a bit of a laugh asking whoever shoved it back there would they please come and put their rubbish in the bin they but it's opened incredible it? the eaten no, they they're they they they're, they're a sealed packet. I don't know what's left inside them. Um I, I wouldn't dream of going near them
5: <laughs> in no, that they're respect. A, they're a sort of they, hints of green this. looking through that plastic.
18: I couldn't imagine what they would look like inside, but you're right. Yeah, people are saying what's incredible is the nostalgia it's created for everyone. People are remembering back to their school days when we all went to school with Sam Spuds, and people are saying they were apparently the nicest flavour of crisps, smoky bacon Sam Spuds. But it's incredible the the number of people commenting on a packet of crisps.
5: <laughs> They've been up behind the radiator on the stage in the school since 1989.
18: Yeah, well, it could have been before. That's the best before was February 89. So they could have been here in February in, you know, 1988. They could have been shoved back there. And it's great even past pupils are saying, well, they were probably bought in the school shop, which was run by Terry Howard and Andy Craig. Uh, Andy Gray, who's no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, but it's great. And, and, you know, people having a conversation about old food and the nostalgia and the memories that food brings back, like people are saying they can still taste those smoky bacon crisps. Someone this morning commented... They're probably still repeating on the
5: person. There was probably an, an awful lot later, more you know? in the bag, too.
18: Well, probably. Well, the size, the weight is still the same. It says 25 Gs is the weight. So whether that's still the weight of a bag of crisps, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, probably better value for money anyway, certainly. They were a lot cheaper yeah. than a packet of crisps would be now.
5: No one's chancing opening them, let alone eating them, I don't think.
18: Absolutely not. But it's, it's gas when you see some of that from 1988. The packet of crisps are older than the most staff here, which is incredible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So you know, secretary school we, we we run on seniority. So I say the crisps, the packet of Chris might get the next post of responsibility or something like that. You know,
5: Chris here. Uh, they've been here, they've they've been been here 30, the longest. If it was nineteen eighty, they're, they're they're over thirty five years old.
18: That's right, yeah, and I was just looking on Facebook now, because I put it up on Facebook, so now I get up. My Facebook feed is all stuff to do with 1988. Scott and Charlene, our neighbours, got married 35 years ago yeah. yesterday. So that child who shoved those packets of crisps could have been going home to watch Neighbours. Probably more home and away back then anyway, but How do you
5: know that's what was going on in 1988 for How teenagers. Do you know it wasn't a teacher? How do you know they didn't put, ah, them, there teacher, safe, I, didn't put them there for safekeeping and they fell behind the radiator?
18: A teacher would have eaten them, I'd say. and certainly would have blamed the students, but uh, yeah, it could have, could have been. It could have been a member of staff. But it's gas, like people saying, do you, "Do you not clean out behind your radiators?" But sure, look, this particular radiator is tucked away. There's been sceneries and sets put over it for years and years. Um, but it's gas. It's gas. What it you come across, you know, there's a roach, a roach stores bag there as well. Um, and it's just funny when you see some like a Roach's stores bag. Yeah, oh, I like, put that up, a picture of it. Yeah, Roach's stores bag. It's funny just remembering us of what Cork was and, you know, people remembering back. We're getting great comments, you know, if, if you know Turner's Cross from years ago. Remember Kylie's shop there course, next, to yeah, Tur- yeah. next to Turner's Cross Church and all that, the old video shop that was along there on Evergreen Street. and um, There was a shop there called The Favourite. Just all these memories that come back game. around Turner's Cross. And, like, when you, rem- when you think back to Turner's Cross and the number of pubs we even had in this area, you remember the, there was the Evergreen, the Mountain, right. uh, the Beer Garden is still there and still going strong. But it was a great hive
5: of activity back then, wasn't it, Turner's Cross? I remember Kylie's shop, and my my grand auntie had a shop uh, across the road. Is that right? And where was that? It was um, O'Sullivan's.
18: Okay, I, I don't remember. But Kylie, we spent our lives in Kylie. I was, the Mulcahy's were running it. We spent our lives in Kylie's. on Saturday, buying red. It was called Red Label Coke. You'd buy red label Coke and it was 25p for two litres. Must strip paint. And we were drinking it by gallon loads from Kylie's. <laughs> of, course you of
5: course you were. Listen, great memories. Uh, Aaron Wolf, close to Eamon Reese. So the packing of Sam Spud's smoky bacon with a best before date of February 1989, unopened. I imagine not as tempting as they were. Ancient, like you take up a floorboard during a DIY project or you might take down a bit of a wall and find something. i have just finished reading a book actually um, by Leslie Wolfe about, or is it Daniel Hurst? Daniel Hurst about a, com- uh, a couple that bought a house and they, one of them becomes convinced that there was a murder happened in the house and they find strange evidence that something odd might have happened in the house and then there's a body found, and then there's a twist, but have you ever found anything straight didn't we have remember the Santa letter a couple of years ago the Santa letter was found up a chimney literally up a chimney on a little shelf and we were able to and we were able to reunite that Santa letter with the person who wrote it all those years ago, so you'd never know oh wait well, I' wonder, can we find the owner of the did you lose a bag of crisps down the back of a radiator <laughs> <laughs> In 1989 oh, 0818 96, 96, 96 Right, last bit of business to Dick White who is fundraising manager with As I Am You have an event that you want to tell us about, Dick to raise funds for your wonderful operation Good morning
11: Good morning, PJ. Great to hear nostalgic stories there um, at the disposal, sorry, sorry, hey, I'll be a total fan
5: of Can you get, get, get closer to there. that phone for me, Dick, if you would? Can you hear me there now? That's better now, yeah
11: Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's great to hear your nostalgia these days. But I'd say I'd be a Tato fan rather than a fan sportsman. I'd be the um, same. You know, but hey, leave it be if they're still there and they're still intact. It'll be it'll it'll it's for a museum. Look at yes, thanks for the opportunity. We're holding a a night with the ghosts on Spike Island. That's uh, from Friday night. That's tomorrow night, the tenth of November. It's to raise awareness about isolation and highlighting barriers to life for autistic people and to generate funds for As I Am to deliver services in Cork and throughout the country.
5: Yeah, okay. And uh, you have a, a number of people taking part. Uh, how can we help to raise some funds? What can we do?
11: I, I, I think the simplest thing to do is to pop onto um, uh, asiam.ie. You can kick down on the front page. We're on the front page of our website and you can go in and people can support it or uh, donate online. Uh, that way it'd be really super it's a really important night for us uh because we're we're, we're using the island uh it's wonderful to have spikes as a, as a venue but we're using the island to give this sense of isolation we'll be on the island tomorrow night we'll be looking at the mainland but we won't be able to get there and it's that sense of isolation within the autism community that we have that we're trying to reflect it's, it's come out of our same trans report that we do uh, sort of every year, and ninety percent of autistic people do not see that. The Irish public yeah. understand enough about autism. You know, it's a, it's an
5: interesting people, one, and 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 uh, the the line isn't great. Maybe we'll talk more okay. ab- ab- about it another day. But Dick, g- good luck with that. It's a night with the ghosts on Spike Island, in aid of and in support of As I Am, the wonderful work that they do. As I Am's website, asiam.ie, will have details and links and presumably photographs. When they happen, and well done to everyone in Spike for cooperating with a wonderful charity as I am to help them do that. Thank you, Dick. Just before we go on McDonald's, you have to allow PJ for a certain amount of human error. Staff are swamped. I see them running around like mad every time I go through the drive-through. It's unfortunate when your takeaway order is wrong, but these things happen. I do think, though, that the lady should have been reimbursed because it sounds like a very disappointing experience for her kids. And that's from Dave. Yeah, mistakes happen because people are busy and people are overworked. And we'll accept, accept that, very much so. Thank you, Dave, for that. And that is it, I think it is. Program edited by Ema O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All your podcasts will be up ASAP. And we'll speak to you tomorrow for Friday. Just after nine.
3: Join the conversation. This is the
2: Opinion Live.
3: With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit HiddenHearing.ie.
12: 96FM.